Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. Today is Wednesday, November the 8th. November the 8th is my father's birthday. So happy birthday, Charlie. You're a wonderful dad. You're a great person. And you are the reason why I'm on this world. And it's one of the reasons why I am the person I am. I'm very grateful to you on this day of your birth. I want to celebrate that. We are celebrating it with a show that I I literally woke up this this morning and I was amped. I had a headache because I didn't sleep. I don't know what was going on. Maybe uh, I shouldn't eat fruit sours before I go to bed. That seems like a thing I shouldn't do. But I woke up and I was amped about the show because we are bringing on two outstanding individuals. We're going to be talking about something. You know, the, the, some shows break news. This show is making news on a regular basis simply by the nature of who we are. It's not what we started off in the world to do. It's just the way that uh, God has cast his hands in front of us. So I've got Garrett O'Boyle, who's going to be coming on in just a minute. I've got Kurt Suzdak, who's a retired FBI agent. He's a full-time attorney at this point. Um, he is an absolute madman. He's one of my favorite people to call. Whenever the phone rings and Kurt is on the other end of it, and actually Ryan has actually seen me do this before, when the phone rings and Kurt's on the other end, I'm like, I better sit down. I don't know what's coming my way, but it's going <laughs> to get wild, and it's wild every single time. It's just the way it goes. It's... um. He's one of these people that you definitely, you guys are going to get a kick out of it. Very dry sense of humor, kind of guys that you you join the bureau. Smart, interesting, quirky, uh, and and just fearless when it comes to fighting back against evil in this case. And unfortunately, our former employer is the evil. Uh, before we get into the show, like I say, we're going to have some wild stuff. This is going to be a little bit self serving. I'm gonna gonna be honest with you right up front. Some whistleblowers have come forward. These are people that I do not know. I did not coordinate them. They are people that are Kurt's clients and people that have come through Kurt's clients. And uh, there's a big story that just went out. Carrie Pickett at the Washington Times broke it yesterday. We're going to cover it in big detail, and I'm going to show you what some of the things, the allegations that they made are about. Uh, before we do that, let's say thanks to a sponsor, our new sponsor. Uh, if we'll go to Four Patriots, you can go to fourpatriots.com. There's the website. Ryan is on top of it. Uh, folks, there it is. Click on those lemon bars. Will you do that? The emergency food at the top. Go right back up there. Click on those things. Guys, you can go to fourpatriots.com. Use promo code Kyle or fourpatriots.com slash Kyle and pick out something that makes sense to you. Look, you don't want to be the guy in an emergency. And if you're a gal, you don't want to be the gal in an emergency who is wondering what happens next. Where do I go? Where's the food at? especially if you live in the desert like I used to. You want to make sure that you prepare for something like this. Now, you can buy 50 pounds of rice and beans. You could do that and try to do uh, whatever the uh, camp grill chef thing is. Or you can fire and forget, spend a couple of bucks at fourpatriots.com slash Kyle. Get yourself an emergency food supply. We've tried it here. We made them. Kids ate it. We had some of the mac and cheese they have. They're sort of like reinforced macaroni and cheese. I think they're better than MREs. I used to live on MREs. Some of you freaks out there in the chat think MREs are great, like TACP. Um, I don't do that. That's not my thing. MREs make me want to puke, especially all the uh, vegetarian options like the veggie omelet. Disgusting. Uh, don't do disgusting. Get yourself some emergency food supplies at fourpatriots.com slash Kyle or promo code Kyle to get the discount and see what offers they're doing right now. You've seen them all over the place. They've got Navy SEALs representing their products. Good people supporting us. We're grateful and we hope you guys support them as well. Now, without too much further ado, let's get real rowdy. We're going to bring on... Attorney, retired FBI agent, Kurt Suzdak of Suzdak & Associates, his law firm. How are we doing, Kurt? How long will before this um, this interview goes off the rails? 
because I, don't I assume I assume basically immediately it will be okay. off. Oh, I'm doing awesome. I mean, I, I I couldn't sleep last night because I was reading the um the government um surveillance um reform act and oh, seeing that, that they're going to do a complete um change of how the FBI is doing its surveillance and that was so that's so exciting because we've just watched that whole um that whole 702 um process be abused beyond recognition so yeah i was i, I kept waking up last night and i woke up this morning exhausted because i was so excited about seeing the possibility of that act would go through we're a couple of sick puppies my friend because the kind of stuff that gets us amped up is is actually not what normal people think about all day but uh you know that's the nature of our lives yeah but all the agents do they, they they're, they're, they're i mean the agents i've talked to so many agents yesterday and they're like laughing i mean the article in, in um from carrie pickett went around the bureau like wildfire in fact one agent sent it out he called he received it he called me laughed about it said it said it to his friends and then got it back from another division like as we were talking he's like kurt this is and go the bureau's got to be laughing their butts off on this stuff because everyone knew it was true it's just somebody decided that they they had enough of um what was going on in, in the secure fbi security division I call that the boomerang when you send out like a viral email and then someone eventually sends it back to you from an unrelated source and it's made it all the way around to okay. whatever your network is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Kurt, I want to, I want to give people the, uh, the bullet point bios on who you are as a person. Let's cover that down in just a couple of moments. Um, tell them who you are, where you came from offices you worked at kind of your specialty and uh, how you ended up as a whistleblower attorney. We can probably do that pretty short. I'm, I'm actually, I'm an attorney. I, I represent a number of clients. I'm a privacy lawyer. I'm also a cybersecurity lawyer. I was in the Bureau 24 years. I, I ran a technical covert squad, a number of, actually a number of different squads. I was also in Iraq um, with the FBI for um, almost two years on two different tours. I, um, I started in the New York office. I, I then went to Iraq. I went to Connecticut. I went to Washington and then back. And in the process of that, I had, um, I had learned a lot of different things on how the Bureau it, um, how the bureau works and that's and, and then i applied that to a legal to some legal processes and then be kind of i i don't know kyle would you say i'm kind of a, co a go-to guy for people who have questions or have problems in the bureau i, I mean I, I get a lot of calls from oh for sure yeah people people reach out and so the reason that so let me just tell people the way that i found kurt was actually by accident i have a friend who was dealing with some problems in the uh, spokane Coeur d'Alene area and when I reached out and I said, hey, what's going on out there? They said, well, you'd have to talk to his attorney. Actually, I think I ended up talking to one of your clients who said, you know, I don't really want to say a whole lot, but you can talk to my attorney. Maybe you give Kurt a call. That was my first interaction. And then after I called you, and, th and this will amuse people in our, our live chat, folks, if you listen, I called Kurt up and I go, hey, here's who I am. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I know what your story is. And I know what you're about. And I said, great. And then I probably got a phone call from Kurt like three times a day for about a month. And it was always really excited. And it was always about the same kind of things that get me riled up. So I was like, this is a kindred spirit. This is a sick puppy right here. But yeah, people come to you all the time with problems. Yeah, they're all disasters. I mean, it, everything's the same. The, the bureau that has no rule, it has rules. It just doesn't decide to follow any of them. And that's, and that's yeah. where we are right now. This is, that's what yesterday is. What a, what a weird, okay. So you've represented a number of um, clients. You've had people call you in some pretty bad places, uh, mentally, spiritually, and maybe uh, financially and, and also uh, employment wise. Is that correct? Um, I deal. I actually have managers call me up when they're, I have managers in the FBI call me up when they have problems. I have a lot of employees. I've had um, five or six employees call me up who are suicidal uh, because of the issues that were going on. Uh, I, I have, and a lot of times, if there's wrongdoing in the bureau, 
the Bureau has this very bizarre whistleblower program and people people didn't understand it. I was probably the first person to, to actually take a case and win a case in what they call the whistleblower court, ORAM. And then people you know, started asking me, how does this work? Recently, after I retired, people had the, a question about um, how do you report wrongdoing? And because of the Enhancement Act, there's really two ways to do it. There is, well, there's the Kyle Serafin way, and then there is the Kurt <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. So the, the Whistleblower Enhancement Act, which basically was supposed to give protections to FBI whistleblowers, that's 5 U.S.C. 2303, if my memory serves. Yeah, tw- it's, it's um, an addition. Yeah, 20 CFR Part 27 are the procedures. And really where the, okay. but that's, but yeah, so that's what the whistleblower, and that's one of the reasons why, um, Congress is always saying you're only a whistleblower once you have an adjudication, which isn't true. In fact, there's like no whistleblower status in the FBI. The only thing is if you get hammered and retaliated against and you go to a court, this ORAM court, that's not a real court in five or seven years, you may get your last position back if you're lucky. And I if think there's only like a 2% chance to win. <laughs> it's like and what, the lowest. And, and, we went over this long form detail, folks. You can go back on the channel's history, see Kurt. Kurt is uh, one of the famous things he said, which just reminded me. He said he went to Iraq to take a break from uh, from what was going on in his life because <laughs> he had because he had babies and it was too it was getting chaotic. Oh, yeah, every time. So he went to a war zone. <laughs> more, more, but that's more. My wife is like, can you please just leave me alone for a few months? Let me get things organized. Go over to Iraq. Go to you know. Go to you know. Yes, but it's um. It, but that was, I mean, literally, so, to, but to go back, look at it, and this is a conversation that we had initially. I said, look, there are two ways of doing this. You can do it as somebody who wants to be an employee, and you are very limited. There is a, a very specific way you have to do this to keep your job. And then Kyle's like, <laughs> no freaking way. I'm like, but, but I'm tell- what I'm telling you is you can do it the other way. You can do it your way basically take a bunch of you know um, political hand grenades pack them at these hand grenades and just start throwing them at the bureau and it causes it's it's a great thing to do but it's, you're not gonna have a job at the end because because the bureau is gonna do they, because of how they have their misconduct um you know the IIS the internal affairs and their security they're going to take a few steps and you're going to be gone so if you violate a single rule during that process of you provide you know you know disclosing wrongdoing you provide you, you violate a single rule you're gone and then Kyle was like, I laid them all. <laughs> right. Okay. So, so the way you see it is there's a 2% chance of winning. If you do it the right way, you're not going to get any change. Most likely you're probably still going to lose your job and you're definitely going to be on the outs. You're going to be on the, on the, uh, on the hit list, you know, for yes. some minor infraction. So they'll eventually get you. And that's because you try to do it the right way. The alternative is what you've called the Kyle Serafin route, which is that you say, I don't care about this job. You can shove it. And I'm going to throw political hand grenades at you until it hurts you enough that the people care. And, that's how you see it from the outside. Yeah, well, I, well, I do, but now, but here's the, and that and it's absolutely true. I mean, that's we. Ha- I have this conversation with a lot of people, and you're the example. And the question is, how valuable is this job? It's just a job. But the other thing is, what instead of reporting wrongdoing to DOJ, I we, the clients I have reported to Congress, and that was because that was a recently added addition to the whistleblower law, and we have a me- you know there's a mechanism to do that to report wrongdoing to Congress and. Um, a lot of employees say, I want to do that. A lot of them could do it anonymously. But in the last year and a half, Congress has been listening. They've been listening to what's being said and they've been reading letters and they've been, you know, they, they've taken notes. I've, I mean, I've had phone calls at five o'clock at night. I had a phone call five o'clock at night, like from, from a senator 
and who was trying to, can you tell me what this means? And I'm, mm -hmm. I was trying to explain what the law is. He's like, can I call you back? I'm like, yeah, sure. He goes, nobody else knows what this law is. And I'm like, that's the problem. And what do you, what do you attribute that change in the last 18 months to? You, you, the, uh, you, the other employees. I'm not trying to be self-serving, oh, but I'm I am not, curious not, if, there's, I mean, if we've moved the needle. I, I mean, there, there's a goal here. The problem with the, the bureau is it doesn't follow any rules. It's the most powerful intelligence agency in, on the planet because it can do something every other intelligence agency can't do. It can actually surveil U.S. citizens, and that's and arrest that them. Real, say again, and arrest them, and arrest them. Yeah, but they can so. So they can use their, their, their legal process, 702, to get data without a warrant, and they have done this. And, and basically how this 702 procedure works is they're allowed, the Bureau is allowed to target any foreigners in the world. And, and if they collect information about them, and fine, they can get that. If they collect information collaterally about U.S. sits, that's also fine. But what's happened is they have the bureau has targeted every foreigner, every foreign com company, and have taken all the data. And by the way, some of the the internet that goes in and out of the U.S. There's a lot of traveling of, of information between places in the U.S. that travel outside of the U.S. purposely, so the bureau can pick that up. And what's happened is the bureau is basically collect is able to collect and surveil everybody in the U.S. And 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 the only thing that stops them is the ability to um is how many intel analysts they have I mean, that, <laughs> intel analysts is that that's the uh, the bottleneck for them is what you're yeah, saying because be, i mean that's why they went from basically having only a few to having what five to ten thousand now mm -hmm. i mean that's all yeah, they it's... do is look at is, is, is 702 and, and 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 that's scary because because if you're an insider threat and in in, in, in in the fbi Here's a, here's what people think about the insider threat. They think, oh, insider. Threat. Define the words. Will you define the words insider threat for folks? Yeah. Because that's not a common. In the FBI, part. if you're a threat to the FBI by being a whistleblower, by doing it, you're an insider threat. I mean, a whistleblower is an insider exactly, and and you're going to be. It's you're pretty much guaranteed that you're going to be surveilled um, electronically, and your records are going to be taken and used because the bureau considers um, this issue to be a be significant. And that that type of information is what I've been providing Congress from from individuals who work for the FBI who are sick of it because because we're all the FBI is supposed to be about your civil rights. You have a Fourth Amendment right to be free from unreasonable searches and seizures and your um, and your telephone calls and all that information that you're transacting on your computer that may be being backed up by 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 Amazon or by MSN or Google. That's private, except the FBI can actually now go and get data on it. And that's the problem right now. And that's what the new laws are doing. And, the, and, and what, the, what the whistleblowers have done is they have shown that an agency that treats their employees like the Bureau does is going to treat everybody just as bad because the, 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 the Bureau is horrendous on how it treats its employees. And, you know, if, I mean, you would think that they would treat their employees well. And, and, and in fact, it's, it's eight, I mean, I have, I have eight agents call me up suicidal. And, and, yeah. and, and people say, oh, that doesn't happen. But I'll actually ask people that I'm talking to them, are, are you suicidal? Do I need to get you assistance? And I've done that even while I was in the bureau, I would have people call me up. And you've, if, you've told me of some of these and, and we were just talking to Garrett O'Boyle before we went on. Folks, we were going to have Garrett join us. He was queued up in the stream. He was all uh, framed out. And apparently his Internet is now mysteriously being updated 
And uh, so I'm sure whatever the spyware device that was uh, installed at his house has not been, it needs a firmware update. So they had to shut down his internet. We'll get Garrett on. Uh, we're not keeping anybody quiet. Nobody's going to keep them quiet long-term. I'll, I'll go to Garrett if I have to do interviews, but we may not have him on for the rest of the stream. So just be aware of that. Um, Kurt, the thing that you just said that is so important, and I want to hammer it home with people. If the FBI is willing to treat its employees as poorly as it does, imagine how badly they could treat you. That's the way I'm going to phrase it in one yes. simple phrase for you. Absolutely. Imagine an organization that treats its people like crap. Like how much less will they care about you? They don't even know you. They don't work with you. They don't have to look you in the eye every day. And they're willing to betray these people daily to the point where they're suicidal. That's a dangerous thing to talk about. I we were just talking about this going that someone someone yesterday referred to um to the um working for the bureau as like being in Oz. I'm like, the Wizard of Oz? And you're like, no, Oz the prison from HBO's miniseries. I'm like, oh my God, you're right. A lot of people talk about it. I mean, Cash Patel talks about government gangsters being sort of the nature of uh, of the way the government is working at this moment. And, and the FBI is very mafia-like in, in the way that it's like, hey, don't disrespect the family, all right? You make the brand look good. We're going to take your legs out. They, they'll try to crush you. Garrett said it. A lot of people have experienced it. Um, most of them keep their mouth shut, though, because they're trying to play by the rules because they're rule followers. That's why they work for the FBI. Well, you, but th that would, don't embarrass the FBI is the number one crime. That is the number one crime. You can get caught, you, if you do something wrong, eh, if you get caught and you embarrass the Bureau, you're going to be in trouble. I mean, I have a guy who got a letter of censure. I know he got a letter of censure because he was rear-ended in um, driving a Buick car in Mississippi. And the director personally signed a letter of censure. He was, he was rear-ended. And, you know. So, but, yeah, somebody else hit him. He was not at fault. That's right. You it, said it, something. You said something really dark to me last night, which made me laugh, but also I think it's scary and true about domestic violence and my situation. Like, what would have been a better uh, scenario? Do you want to tell people what that was? Because so well, I don't even remember which one this is. <laughs> you said something to the effect, of, and this is totally self-serving, but you said you would have been better off beating your wife than oh, yeah. uh, than than doing what you did. Yeah, be well, because well, because one of the one of the um, agents from one of the agents came forward and disclosed that the head of the SECD who adjudicates all of the um, security clearances. So if you lose your security clearance, you're out of the bureau. She was allowing people that she know who were involved in domestic violence disputes to keep their security clearances. Now, we normally, know some of them. They were they were in the Helena. They were in the Helena office, which is outside of uh, it's in Montana, but it's part of the Salt Lake City. We know a guy who was a supervisor that was stalking and had beaten his wife was under state charges, and he didn't have his security clearance removed until. Uh, he lost in court until he was convicted. He actually fought it all the way through, and he was allowed to show up in the office for two years with a clearance as a supervisor, even after beating and stalking his wife and being arrested by local PD, uh, state PD, rather. But, but what matters there is that the SAC likes the guy. That's really, right. I mean, that's really what the, the deal is. He was now, a former supervisor somewhere else. He got a cush gig. Yeah. Helena is a really good gig that people want. Like, that's a cool city to live in. So, yeah, he was he was a favored child. Yeah, but in, in, in going on in Louisville, um, they have a victim. They had a victim of domestic violence that was going to lose her security clearance because she didn't do enough to stop the guy from 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 assaulting her. So, and she's going to lose her security, which actually is against o what they call ODNI, the Office of Director of National Intelligence. That's against the rules. You, victims of domestic violence, that is not an indicator of whether you have you're you're good with um, national security, unless you want to use like the John McCain thing. Well, you torture the person and they'll disclose the information. But but that they literally opened up a case, and they're not going to they're not going the bureau wouldn't um, eliminate her clearance based upon oh you, you're a threat there. What they're the, oh you made this possibly false statement you're done and and what what's happened is the people that are adjudicating the woman um who's adjudicating 
um, is actually has her name redacted from every, all of these documents. And that was one of what, what one of the, um, the employees in the FBI advised that, hey, by the way, the person who is making the, all these adjudications is is a complete train wreck, a disaster. All right. So and and I want to hone in most of the many of the employees that you represent that are FBI employees don't look like this guy. They're uh, not dudes with beards who are willing to throw grenades. A lot of them are women is what you've told me and that the women is treat, have been treated really poorly. Well, you know, the, the, the nobody in the FBI in the, in the private sector, there's a good reason to become a, a, a whistleblower because you can make money on it. In the FBI, you can't make money. There is no money at the end of it. The only reason people become whistleblowers is to protect a career. I do have a lot of people that have beards that are that would be considered the gunslingers who have inadvertently gotten into position because they called foul on doing. I haven't. I haven't one. They, they did what you thought they would do when they became the right FBI agents. Yeah. They said, "Hey, I'm, I'm supposed to do the right thing." I mean, I, I talked. I talked to one guy had like 15 years, and he was um he was an agent rep for the the bureau's um the agent association, and and they the direct the deputy director came out there and said you know you just tell us put the past stuff through the agent association tell us what's wrong we'll fix it so they did that they gave it to him he passed it up and then he was killed off so he called me up and i'm like i'm like dude you had 15 years in you didn't know how the bureau worked he's like no Kurt, i was really idiot. i was a total idiot and he i think he, a lot of guys are like that my, my former uh producer or the producer emeritus of the show who helped me actually launch the podcast uh phil kennedy who's a great dude and uh, a really smart and intelligent capable person cpa the kind of guy that the bureau used to hire who were just dedicated to mission also didn't realize maybe how the bureau worked kind of thought that 15 years you were probably good we used to say if you made it past the uh the probationary period then you become a 25-year mistake if they don't like you because they can you can work until you retire that's not the case anymore no well you know it's well but what is the case in the bureau which i don't think people realize if you want to fight the bureau you can do a lot of damage by punching up you don't necessarily have to punch down. You can create problems with your with your supervisor, with your ASAC, um, with the SAC if you're willing to fight. But you have to have the emotional um, strength to fight, and it takes a lot because you're going to be accused of lying. You're going to be accused of, um, of 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 being a threat to to the bureau. You're you're gonna you're you're gonna be considered insider threat, and that and that stuff that actually happens quite a bit. And you would think, not nah, it will happen once in a while. It happens like it's a pattern of activity. There's literally a set a set of basically informal guidelines of how to basically um, take out an employee. And that's, and, and, you know, employees can fight it, but they have, they have to do it correctly. And it's, it's really sad because why does it, why do you have to do that as an employee? And no one tells you. And, and the only people who know how to do it correctly are people like you who have already experienced the wrath. It's not like it's, there's no guidebook for people to figure out how to do it. They're, they're kind of winging it each time. It seems like, I mean, I, I sat, I sat with my boss, my SAC and, and she was telling something. She was like, look, you have this. Is, she took all of my, documents she put them in a portfolio and said look for the last year you have done this work and he goes i found this issue where there was a period uh, one period on one page that was had a space between the last letter and the period and then another one where a period is missing in a book that had yeah, was literally very poor I, i'm going to say that's a poor attention to detail it shows yeah, a lack of focus you're not gs13 material and i laughed at her i'm like you know in the bureau i told her, in the bureau if you if you're focused on generalities you're, you're, you're trying to compliment someone. If you're focusing on specifics, the Bureau has 5,000 pages of rules and you're doing something wrong every minute. It goes, if you want to lie about this, I'm going to take your take you, take your ass and move it over to federal court and kick it. Because of everyone here, every, all the lawyers in this building, I'm the only one who's practiced there. 
And so you want to play it, throw down, throw down. And she, she threw down. And, and they're terrified of going to court. It sounds like because none of them have ever actually litigated. They, well, no, they, 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 they didn't think I was serious. And three weeks later, yeah. they were, they were, they, it was sued and it made national news. I mean, I almost crashed my car because I was like, file in Connecticut. I was looking and all of a sudden I said, FBI agent sues over, you know, this conduct, yada, yada, yada. And Comey came and apologized about stuff. And they literally made national news. I'm like, oh my God, I'm dead. <laughs> I'm freaking dead. Gonna you. <laughs> because I don't think anybody, I mean, how many people, I, I, before me, there were no survivors. You, you, yeah. had, you had Jane Turner, you had Whitehurst. These people had left the bureau. Nobody got to be, got to report misconduct and stay in. Nobody Which got is, to Yeah, maybe. That yeah, was, you're you're was, a, you're was, a rare bird for sure. Yeah, I mean, so it's a, and you know, I took we took that, and I learned the lessons from the other agents that went before me, and that was a big deal. I learned what they did wrong, took that, flipped it around, and then we, I I went on a on a rampage through my office, um, and, and basically they shut the place down for for a, a while, and yeah, they decided to, um, to call you know to to make peace. And so we can live happily ever after. <laughs> Which you did. <laughs> All right, folks, uh, I want to kind of give you a reset here. We're talking to Kurt Suzdak. He is of uh, Suzdak and Associates. He's a retired FBI agent, 24 years of experience. He's an FBI whistleblower that wrote the FBI whistleblower handbook, which you can find on Amazon if you want, which he's described as just his case notes as he went through suing the Bureau and winning, uh, fighting them. He also represents whistleblowers, which we're going to get into a story on in just one minute. Before we do that, I want to say thanks to our sponsors, uh, especially our OG sponsor here. I've got one on my desk. This is Patriot Coolers. Folks, uh, we, we love Patriot Coolers. They are our friends. There is their website. You can go to PatriotCoolers.com. PatriotCoolers.com. Use promo code Kyle. K-Y-L-E. Ryan is scrolling and showing you. That's what I'm about. I'm about the 50 quart. I got the 50 quart in the back of my minivan right now. We drive that because I'm always buying frozen stuff. And there's nothing worse than coming home with like a frozen food. You know, you get a bunch of fruit because I make smoothies every morning. And then you get it, and it's just a block, and you have to like chisel off a strawberry or a bunch of uh, blueberries. I hate it. Uh, get yourself a good cooler. You can do one cheaper, or you can get one that supports the Kyle Serafin show and also says Patriot right on the front. These are solid things. These are, you know, rotomolded. They're going to be keeping ice for days. Uh, outstanding products, outstanding people based out of Houston, Texas. PatriotCoolers.com. Promo code Kyle, K Y L E, saves you 10. 10%. If you spend more than 50 bucks, you're going to get uh, the free shipping, which is great. They're good people. Again, here with Kurt Suzdak, we lost GOB actual. We lost Garrett O'Boyle, uh, the updated internet. Uh, the FBI needs to put the proper devices in between the internet provider and his home so they can capture traffic. Uh, we're going to we're gonna talk about a story that was released last night. Uh, Kurt, this is the thing that kept me up. You were reading more stuff. Let's throw it on the screen real quick because I'm going to read. I've got uh, maybe seven quotations from this story that I think are all going to be fun to read. But folks, this is the story. It was written by Kerry Pickett. It says whistleblowers accuse senior FBI officials of retaliating against agents for their political beliefs. They used a stock photo. Somebody uh, hit me up on Twitter and they're like, there's no way that's a real agent uh, drawing a gun from the back of his waistband with his finger in the trigger guard. And I was like, that's a stock photo from Getty Images. That's not a real FBI. Like, I don't even see those things. But anyway, but that like really hung up some guy. He's like, this story is fake because the picture that they used is fake. So, Calm down, guy. Uh, I've never even seen FBI agents wear raid jackets. I know it happens on white collar search warrants. Not in the world that I was living in. Anyway, long and short of it, let's put up the uh, the first little quotation because I want to be able to read that. Kurt, I'm going to have you react to each of these. This says from the article, according to the disclosure, 
the first of these alleged politically motivated security clearance investigations targeted employees associated with Mr. Friend, that's Stephen Friend, our buddy from Fridays, and Mr. Seraphin, yours truly. Additionally, SecD, the security division, recently attempted to recruit between 100 and 300 special agents to conduct these internal probes temporarily, according to whistleblower information. Another SecD employee says that Mr. Seraphin's security clearance investigation was not done by the policy from the Office of the Directorate of National Intelligence. Your thoughts on that, Mr. Suzdak? Well, <laughs> so, <laughs> you, the, if the Bureau is, was not following the rules, basically somebody, and, and, I, and one is, Kyle, you don't know who this is. And, um, and, no, one, and no one knows who this is. And they would be, probably be surprised um, who the, who the individual is. Second of all, you're not saying I, that hypothetically. You're saying, no, I don't know who that is. And I will agree. Who, I don't know who wrote that. You don't, I don't know, know who, who you don't know who, you don't know who reported this. Somebody actually went and reported this to Congress. And oh, by the way, they, um, someone, they had another report to OIG. And I believe there are actually two additional reports that went to OIG. What's funny about the, this, about this is the person I'll call it man or, you know, male, female. I'm not, we're not, it has been disclosed. Yep. That person actually doesn't like Kyle. <laughs> that was, that's the first thing. This is not about somebody who is a friend. There are, there are, um, the person also, I believe has been, is, is knows, um, Kyle and Steve and had, had, was in a position to observe how the treatment was. And basically the person that was making the, um, who was adjudicating this, um, Kyle's case who was in the process was was never going to vote in Kyle's favor. She was actually walking around telling people that she should have threw, thrown Kyle out of the bureau when he um, when he was in Quantico. That's so this is the person, the person, the person in charge of these, the person in charge of the security investigations who does who is not is not the whistleblower. That's not That's the right. whistleblower. This is another person. Her name is Dina Perkins. Yes. We're going to name names here because yeah. I don't care. You know, you know um, her personally. I know Dina Perkins because Dina Perkins was one of the instructors that I had at the academy. Now, I reached out to some of my academy classmates and I go, hey, you remember Dina Perkins? Uh, she apparently hated me at the academy. And he was like, is that the lady that was really old and Hispanic and didn't know how to speak English? I said, no, no, that was Drake. She was a former DEA agent. It's the other one. And he was like, is it the one that looked like a wet rat? And I go, I don't know if it was a wet rat, but she's a small lady. She's diminutive in, in uh, she has short hair. It's gray. She was very nice to me. She used to bring in baked goods to our class, which is kind of weird because I thought I was going to like hardcore training and instead I was going to the FBI. And so Dina Perkins was a decent human being to me from 2016, 2017, and 2018. I have done favors that have been asked of me by Dina Perkins. When I worked at the Washington field office, which we talked <laughs> about last night, the lady, would, she reached out to me and said, hey, could you represent? We need some people to show up and talk to our civilian academy, our, uh, what do they call it? Citizens Academy, which is like an FBI outreach program. And I showed up and did it. I've given tours of the FBI Academy as an agent on behalf of Dina Perkins, who ran that program out of Washington Field. I had no idea that she didn't like me. Maybe she changed her mind at some point when I decided not to get the COVID shots. Well, that was that was one of the issue was that there, there, there's the political beliefs matter here. And it matters in, in fact, I was just talking to, I was talking to a um, a person in that in, who's familiar with that area, and they were just saying a story about they couldn't believe that um, that there was one individual who was a Marine who fought overseas, who had made comments about um, about conservative beliefs before before um, January six. So basically saying, you know, hey, look at the issues going on here with Trump, and that person, Dean was basically said is a is basically. Um, 
is, is not loyal to the U.S. Is a threat I mean, to the national the, security of the United States. Is no, no, is not loyal to the U.S. Not loyal. That's right. That, you know, lack someone of loyal. who's. I mean, that's a lack of loyal. There's only a certain criteria that you can get someone out for security clearances. It has to do with loyalty and protecting sensitive information. This is not additional um, internal misconduct. But saying this is not loyal. Now, there was a, another individual that was working in that office who who was a subordinate of Dina Perkins, who basically attempted to counsel her about the fact that this guy's a Marine. And, you know, they're basically, what's the reputation? They're, they're raised from insane asylums and brought. Yeah, they're crayon, crayon eaters that yeah, do they're, violence they're, on yeah, behalf of the United they, States. They, we love them. You, you just because you and goes and that person who was trying to counsel Perkins or talk to Perkins about this, he was removed. That's so, right. Know, in, in, inside, the, uh, inside the um where you know the, a subordinate of Perkins was removed from his job because he commented that you got to be kidding me. A Marine is not loyal and who's been in combat. That's the definition of loyalty. That right. is the definition so of loyalty. I did a uh, I did a case where we were working down near Camp Lejeune and we were on the base on a regular basis uh, on the Marine Corps base. And uh, I remember the guys always refer to it as St. Lejeune's School for Wayward Boys, which is always my yeah. favorite. Marines are some of the most creative, but also like my, they're, the, they're the best, like they will run through a wall. Um, they, they are different than any other branch of the service. They're special for a reason. We love them for that. I love that she thinks that's not loyal. I'm going to have, uh, we're going to keep going with this, this article because I want to read a couple more parts. I'm going to have Ryan show up. This is quote number two coming out of the article here. It says, Mr. Serafin was subjected to security clearance investigation according to the disclosure after his field office notified FBI official Dina Perkins that a police officer who was out of his jurisdiction confronted him about practicing his firearm shooting at a range slash shooting area. Quote, the minor allegations against Seraphin had no national security nexus and administrative conduct misconduct investigations would have likely resulted in, at the most, a letter of censure or written counseling, the disclosure states. However, Seraphin had previously refused to take a COVID vaccine, which was an obvious indication to SECD, the security division, that an employee is politically conservative. Can you talk about what in the world is going on with the idea that if you didn't want to get the vaccine for religious reasons, that that made you a conservative? I had I had an employee of the FBI who called me up and 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 said I I know that the the security division is trying to recruit temporarily between 100 and 300 um, agents to do investigations, the security investigations. That that's like a purge. That's so many. We have a whole sec D now. All of a sudden, they need to have 300 um, additional agents to do temporary security division. Then I had another person call contact me and say, hey, Kurt, did you know that our field office now has um, individual an individual who's an agent who actually is like doing security um, investigations for- um, that, that, That's like had, over 2% of the entire population of agents. I just did the quick math on it. <laughs> it's 2% of all the agents would be involved in doing security investigations if they did 300. Yeah, and but it's more than 300. If the 300 number mattered to me because that was a number that 300 came up, not just from- um, from the Spartans, but the fact when we first talked that there was a group of COVID um, of employees that were against the COVID vaccine for political reasons, medical reasons, religious reasons, and they had been talking, communicating together. And oh, by the way, everybody there would say, yeah, we have about 300 people. That's That was everybody who knew that group would say, there's about 300 I, people. I set up that group. Which yeah, you yeah, probably but know. everybody. So I, I set up the group. Everybody knew how many were in it. 
And the number, and I actually said it on Dan Bongino's podcast, I think, that there were about 300 of us that were doing it. Now, that's not all the people inside the bureau that didn't get the shots. That's just the people that I was able to get together that had a, a mutual support group to discuss what was going on. Because what happens is, and I think you know this too, every agency, uh, I'm sorry, every field office handled things sort of factionalized. And so not everybody was getting the same treatment in the same area. So sharing those notes were yeah. really important. It's like, oh, nobody cares about masking here in uh, El Paso. It's like, oh, everybody cares about it here in North Carolina. It's actually the opposite of that. But um, you know, things like that were getting trans, you know, nobody's bothered me whatsoever and I'm able to do my job. I'm left alone. Oh, this person said I can't come back in the office. I'm getting AWOL. So everybody got a different treatment and that was really important. So that 300, like you say, that number is really relevant because that's how many agents well, they're going to have basically one for one. I mean, there weren't, there weren't 300 agents at um, Trump's speech on January 6th. There, there's not a single incident that has or where where it has 300 and the fact that they were looking for that amount and basically disperse one to each and then they're done. They, yep. they, I mean, you have 300 security clearances and it, it gives you it gives you new like the meme like my FBI agent like the, like FBI agents were getting their own FBI agent to investigate them. Well, yeah, just, but, it's but, so absurd. Yeah, it's so crazy. What's crazy about it is security division investigations um, do are not handled like. Misconduct. In misconduct, because of how the FBI abused its misconduct um, procedures back in the early 2000s, there's a whole set of rules. You have to be, you have to get prior notice. You're allowed to have a lawyer. You're allowed to do a whole bunch of different things. Um, sec security division. That's not the case. You're, they you can may avoid find all out, that stuff. You may find out when that person shows up and tries to interview you, and that and so to have 300, 300 cases. Where they think someone's disloyal, these people are disloyal. They're not. They're you're not just gonna randomly add that to to. Hey, by the way, we just need 300 more investigators. You're doing that for a purpose. That's a project. Oh, well, that's bigger than a field office. So for, so for people to understand, the Albuquerque field office had just over a hundred agents yeah. for the entire state of New Mexico. Um, the 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 office out of. I mean, the entire state of Montana is covered by something like a dozen agents or less, and they have Indian reservations and they're doing real crime work. So when we talk about 300, that is an awful lot of agents. I'm going to play a little video clip here. I don't know if you've seen this before, but I think you have, Kurt, I've got some short, like 90 second clips because it was referenced in that little quotation. So Ryan, this is going to be a body cam one. We're going to show little pieces. Some of you guys are new to our channel. Maybe you're new to the story. Uh, this, this episode is kind of self-serving for me in a lot of ways, only because I'm the topic of the news. And I just, I think it's so wild. You guys know that the FBI is corrupt, but you don't know how corrupt it is until you hear guys like Kurt Suzdak come on here and tell you, I'm going to show you, um, I want you to immediately look past the fact that this Police officer's voice sounds a lot like Alpha Luna, who does uh, another show with me. It's not Alpha Luna. It's just a nice guy that works for the uh, the police department in Las Cruces. But here we go. Video uh, one or body cam one. Let's just play this short clip so you guys get a taste of what was going on out in the desert that they actually removed me from, according to uh, according to them. 796. I'm familiar with a gray pickup truck with black wheels and a black camper in the desert area. Uh, great pickup. How you doing? Not bad. Hey, uh, I'm not sure if this is county or city, but everybody's freaking out over there at the school, man. It's, it's you county. Can, you can hear it over there like nobody's business. Okay. Um, I, I know there's a range on the other side of town, and it's far away. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it just, it's, it. I mean, if you can go further in the desert or something, I get it. You're shooting gets a berm. You're not shooting towards the school or anything, but For it sure. creates issues. So, what department are you with? I'm with the FBI. Okay. Yeah, it's just uh, probably not the best place to be shooting. 
So, I mean, people I, see that here all the time. Is it just because it's at school or what? Well, it, it, it creates issues, yeah. I'm not saying that you would, but some people are responsible. So, I, I guess uh, the question, so first of all, I'm positive this is county land. Okay. Right? Um, I'm more than 300 yards away. In fact, what is that, like 150 is requirement or 100? I don't even know exactly what it is, to be it, quite honest. Whatever it is, I can read that and I know that we're 800 yards away from the school minimum, yeah? Okay. So, the, right. legally speaking, I'm still within the range. Okay. Um, I'm out here to work. I'm out here to train. Mm -hmm. I get some time off, so I'm kind of using it. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm not trying to create an issue for you, but I'm also I'm well within the range. Like no, I get that, and, but you, you have know. to understand where we're coming from. I mean, it's one of those things where no, I, I, I totally get I, it. I but I'm just saying, if, if we're gonna, yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't have the time to drive out there. You got your. <laughs> so right there, uh, when I walked up, just for you guys to have some awareness, I'm, I'm not saying the things that I want to say. I'm filtering a lot because when I walked up to him, I realized that I was under no circumstances going to give any ground because I didn't want to give it up because I'm a Second Amendment absolutist. And also my friends shoot out there and uh, there's no reason that you can't. The state law actually doesn't even apply to law enforcement officers. I dropped it in the chat, but uh, it's 150 yards is the state law. We've, we've done an entire video. If you want to go back to the beginning of my channel, you can see why I got uh, suspended and I have some amateur type stuff. I, I went out and filmed out there. But Kurt, that's the interaction. There's a couple more little clips. We'll show a couple more seconds later on. Um, that's what spawned that all up? of this nonsense. Can you put can you put uh, can you put that image back up? Which or, one? Or the image of you and that against the sand burn. I was going to ask you something about it. Now, look, uh, look as, as she walks out, um, the question is, are those targets right there on the right-hand side? On the right side of me, yeah, those are yeah, targets. Those are, this is an official shooting range, right? Correct? Those are my targets, but there's targets that are out there already. Yeah, I set okay, up my so, own steel okay. targets. I will tell you this. that. Um, so look, hold on. All the stuff that you see on the ground behind me on the left, like all that kind of like uh, debris? Yes, those are shotgun shells. <laughs> oh. There's like thousands and thousands of shotgun shells. I've got pictures of them. I'm standing in a in a swimming pool of shotgun shells right there. The the individuals that were, at least some of the individuals that were involved in your case were not your security. Now they're removing your national security because you're disloyal to the U.S. Right. You're out on this range. I think they they did it under a, a guideline E, which was like personal conduct, which is the catch-all. Okay, but yes. okay. The people that were doing it were looking at that. Um, I, I can tell you when I mentioned the fact that, hey, by the way, he was, this guy was at a shooting range, that one of one of the people who's aware of this goes, what? I'm like, yeah, he was at he was at a shooting range out there. You BLM land and county land, you can yeah. shoot on that. It's not a big deal. But he was actually that was actually it's it's actually privately held land. It's owned by a trust that is publicly accessible because there's an open fire road and people go out there and 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 we'll play in a second. Um, Actually, we, we might just play it. Actually, uh, do, do uh, body cam clip number two. It's actually pretty short. So watch this, because this, this actually gets covered in the body cam that these guys had access to. Uh, clip two, Ryan. Um, yeah, I mean, this is, and you could tell this is not like an unshot area. No, I, oh, I believe me, I hear it every day. <laughs> yeah. And I, uh, yesterday there were a bunch of them, and they sounded like they were close. I guess uh, today we're over there. I don't know if you got a rifle that you're shooting too. But yeah, and I'm done with the rifle, so that may have okay. been part of the, the concerns with them. But um, yeah, yeah, actually, I'm having a trigger today. problem on there. What's that? I said I'm having a trigger problem. My, my With the rifle? Walking. Okay. Yeah, me off, Sounds good. Well, I'm going to get out of here. If anything changes, I'll give it one of my supervisors because in the county, I don't know what their rules, regulations, and all that other crap. I'll be honest with you. I just, I know it's, you know, it's freaking sure. everybody out over and, there. And, and that's why I looked it up. Uh, I anything. looked it up well before I came out here. This was the, uh, this was the spot where the line crossed. So, looks like you right. There's your ID back. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, anyways, you have a good one. All right. All be right. Safe. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. 
<laughs> no police report was filed, folks. Like nothing was filed. He was writing down some information. There was some notes. When I went to go get the police report, uh, I did an open records request. It didn't exist. There was an incident or a contact form which had this body cam attached to it, which is how I got it. Uh, my boss, I also requested all of the requests for it. And there were no official requests done by the FBI. My boss at the time had reached out to uh, just a cop that he knew in the department and they pulled it off the server for him. And then he showed it to all the people in my office. Uh, and I have documentation that he he put out there in the world that said the reason he showed it to all the people, including like our secretary, people that were like, you know, sort of uh, support employees. He showed it because he just wanted to confirm he thought I was being a quote unquote asshole. His words. He thought I was being an asshole to the cop. So he wanted to confirm that other people thought that, too. Uh, Kurt, your thoughts. I'm not going to defend that. I can't. <laughs> you're you're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, but, but again, here's the thing. You one is what's amazing is he's come out here every. He said I come I come out here every day, not I've never. I hear it all the time. Yes, yeah, all the time. What? I mean. So what? Here, here's also, the funny thing. I. In all. He, he, he hears it all the time, but he doesn't know the state law. He doesn't know that he's not in the city. He's in the county, even though he crossed the state line or the county line like a mile before he gets out there. So he knows he's in the county. I think he was lying to me, but I'm not mad at him. I'm, the guy was just trying to do what cops do. He was yeah. told to go. Tell someone to stop shooting. He did. He got pushed back. There was no. He had no legal authority. He knew it, and so he left. But did he have? He's, but did he actually get a complaint? He he self-reported. So we found that out afterwards. He's a school resource officer. He was across the street. He heard it. People were like, "Hey, a uh, cop who works at the school, um, will you go and check that out?" And so he did. But no, there was and no. It was probably because I was shooting a rifle. There was no complaint. Mm -mm. No, there's no written complaint. It no, was literally uh, he self-dispatched. Self yes. Yeah, so he went by. He took. He was on his own accord. Now, with all the yeah. shootings going on in schools, yada, 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 you know, he's going out and- I'm not mad at him. It was February of, of 22. He was doing the sua sponte thing. Like, you know, he rolled. He rolled out and he, and he talked to me. Another officer rolled up at the same time to back him up. And they sat there for 45 minutes and watched me. This is, you'll love this too. Kurt, how many, how many people do you know in the FBI that are doing 50-yard pistol shots in under two seconds from a holster? I think possibly just one. I'm looking at him. <laughs> so I was out there. They go, he goes, are you, are you, you know, I'm, I'm going to finish up. And I took my time after this guy pulled away from me. So I've got my gun belt on, as you can see in the pictures, I stood out there. I took a box of ammunition and then one by one, I loaded all 50 rounds individually into, um, into magazines. And I loaded a second one for my, my draw. And so what I would do is I would draw out, hit it. I'm doing it on a timer, ding the 50 yard, uh, steel target out there, the, the torso. Then I would do my mag change like I want to, and then I would drop it. Then I'd reload the extra mag with a single. So I did 50 individual shots while he watched at 50 yards. And I did them in, uh, I'm, I'm averaging somewhere between like 1.5 and 1.75 seconds at that point. So I'm doing things that I know he can't do. And he sat there and they watched me. And then when I started picking up brass, they drove off. They watched me do that for however long it was, 30, 40 minutes. Then they rolled. That's the entirety of it. We have one more little thing that will show the uh, the cop at the end. But but go ahead, keep but, keep but, going. But, but again, okay. So I also worked in, in in internal affairs in the FBI. This this doesn't even rise to the level of a warning. I mean, right. if, if as a supervisor, if I heard this, I would be like, yeah, whatever. I have enough problem on my plate to deal with this. I'm not. Right. I mean, we're, I, we're investigating parents at school boards. I don't have time for this. I, well, I would be looking at going. Well, at least somebody's shooting. You know, I have to worry about having someone who, who can't qualify at a range because because a right. lot of people don't actually go to the range. I'm the worst defender. They're always missing the range times and they can't and and have people to actually do it. And also, you know, if you work, I mean, if you work in in a in a um, urban environment 
if you're working and arresting people, you want to make sure that you have people that can actually put down or stop somebody who is a threat. I mean, I, we had, we had a, in New Haven, they had a shootout and the, the guy, the subject jumped into his car and the agent pulled out his, his firearm and he had one of those Glock 26s, you know, the mini ones that you're supposed yeah, and those the, are issued with a salad and the suit and an ankle holster. I don't know who carries a Glock 26. Well, series, he was using ahead. it with body armor as his primary weapon. They were never designed to be, and he, and he fired fired off a bunch of rounds, and guess what? He didn't hit. And because if, you're carry, you're, because if you're going out to a tactical environment with the smallest weapon that you could have, you, and oh, by the way, that person who um, was actually ordered to have retraining because he was carrying the wrong firearm, and he couldn't actually hit his shots. Um, you know, I mean, again, you fire five or six shots, you miss. You're probably going to be sent down for retraining. Um, because you should be. You should be on remedial, right? Like that. That, that that's a no go. Like you've entered a tactical environment with a with you're already outgunned, and then you've also done poorly under stress, which means you need training for your safety. I used to do that because I worked on an Indian reservation out there. And so my my thought was, is that first of all, a 50 yard engagement with a handgun, it might be the only thing I have. People do weird things on Indian reservations, which you probably know the Indian crimes unit is like it's the, the bastard. The worst. It's the redheaded stepchild of the FBI. Yeah, Nobody cares what happens. There's no backup. It was just me. Yeah. I used to wear Indian, body but... armor over. I used to wear over yeah. body armor, a cowboy hat, boots, my pistol belt and my belt uh, and my external, um, badge so people could see me because I wanted people to know that I also like it was me and two BIA cops. That was the only people that were going to be in the area. Sometimes just one, you know, on a regular basis. One of your agents from Flagstaff, I, I, they were making, I was actually in the Indian reservation in Connecticut and there's like two Indian reservations that are really just casinos. So I was getting, I went to it to say, sent me to Indian country training and I was the butt of a lot of jokes on what Indian country do you have? But I was talking to the agent or to the agent and and he's like, Look at. Let me show you what it's like to be here. And he walked out to his trunk, and he opened up his trunk, and he had body bags in it. And he's like, "Yeah, oh, everyone, for sure. Everyone around here fights, and they use knives." Yep. And he goes, "But you go, so you, but you have to have a fire. You have to have a rifle. You have mm-hmm. to have your, you know, you have to be gunned up because you're alone. There is no backup. And oh, by the way, nobody has got it. Body bags. So you, if you, you may want to bring one." They have a bunch of them in your trunk so you can hand them out when things go bad. He goes, oh, by the way, everybody confesses too. It's not a big deal. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's not sophisticated yeah. stuff. This is they like, this be, is really. They want to be arrested. They want to be arrested by FBI agent, not a state. And they will confess to them. And, and again, they're dangerous and they're drunk. And that's. Well, yeah, like immediately. So the other fun thing is, and so I was in a slightly different scenario because my Indian reservation was a hundred miles away from where I live. So I would drive there. And by the time I got there, the coroner, I could call the coroner and he was 30 minutes away. So he would time his arrival. So the coroner and the medical examiner would get there at the same time as me. I had very few, I don't know if I had any homicides. We had one that was maybe suspicious, but not really in the, in the months that I was doing it, but I had suicides pretty much. I got a suicide call every time that my, my week was up and I was up every three weeks. So I had a half dozen suicide cases that are what we call death investigations. And generally speaking, we would pay for the autopsy because everybody would go, yeah, he was suicidal. He's been suicidal for 12 years. He hung himself in a closed room with a door locked from the inside. But also <laughs> it might have been somebody who killed him. And you're like, oh, God. So you would do it. You'd literally do autopsies just to make the family feel better. And the bureau doesn't care $2,000 for an autopsy. They just do it like they've got. They've got buku money for it. But that was a, a very different world. And like I said, I carried a gun and I trained 
to shoot distance. And that's what I was out there doing that day, which is very funny. That Can that I tell you a story like, about Indian country? Can I tell you a story? Okay, this, this is a, so there's an agent and, and this is, this is the bureau. This is bureau mentality. There's an agent in Newark. Now this agent in Newark is Indian, not American native Indian. He's Indian yeah. Indian. He's a, he is, he has an Indian accent. Yes. He has an Indian accent, super intelligent. He's, he is guys, master's degrees. He is, I think assigned to a white collar squad. And he is the butt of a bunch of jokes by a bunch of supervisors. So Oklahoma, there's a, there's a Supreme Court ruling that creates a big problem in Oklahoma. And yeah, the whole state send, is an Indian res now. <laughs> yes. And they have to send people that are, you know, familiar with, you know, with Indian country out there. So what Newark does, the man, this is the management as a joke. They're like, hey, we got an Indian. Let's send them out there. So they sent a guy who's now this guy. We, and I don't even want to mimic his his speech, but for a white collar agent, he's perfect, super smart. For um, for counterintelligence, he's got it going. I mean, he's a guy who can communicate with companies. That he could do that. Going out to Indian country means you're getting your hands dirty, and this is a guy who you look at him and you say he's not equipped for that task. We would call them indoor and outdoor dogs. He's an indoor dog. Nothing wrong with that. Well, yeah, no, I know, but that's, but, 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 but looking at Yeah, but if you're good, if you're an indoor dog and you get put in an outdoor job, like it's weird. And if you're an outdoor dog, you get put in an indoor job. It makes no sense to you either. Kind of like me doing counterintelligence, like we talked about last night. So, so he went and they, and and the people in Oklahoma were insulted by him him being sent out there because they got the joke. He oh, for sure. Yeah. People in Oklahoma are not dumb. I went to school in Oklahoma. Like they get it. They know exactly what you're doing. Yeah, yeah so those they, are my people. So I live in Oklahoma. Why would you send the guy out there that you because you just just with his presentation, he is not going to do well on our Indian reservation because no. there is a lot of discrimination on on the res, right? They're they're you know they're they're yeah. in the hierarchy. And- Oklahoma is a special place. It has a special place in my heart because I went to school there. But Oklahoma, I used to tell people this. I said, if you don't know what to say and you're in Oklahoma and you're trying to make conversation with someone and Kurt, just tell me something about what's going on in your office right now. And I'll give you the Oklahoma response. Yeah, no, I mean, the office is a complete shit show. I'll tell you what. Like, literally, that's the answer to I don't like it's like it's really hot outside of it. Like, I tell you what, you'd be like my wife. She's not a good person. You'd be like, I'll tell you what. Like, you can say, I'll tell you what to anything in Oklahoma. And that's how you get by. If you're a white collar agent who's living in Connecticut, you don't know how to say, I'll tell you what, and just listen. That is not something that you were built for because you've never been to Oklahoma. You don't know what it's like. There's a reason why they call it Native America. It's literally the whole state is full of different Indian reservations. It's a patchwork quilt and none of them have boundaries. And that new decision made the entire state an Indian reservation for people who are Indian, who are Native American. They get to have the American Indians get special privileges they and and the cops will literally leave a murder scene they will tape off a body and leave if there's a drunk driving homicide and and the fbi shows up my buddies have told me when they were running out there on that those tdy's the temporary duties out to oklahoma they would get there and there would be no one at a crime scene there'd be a body and a car and the flashers on and it would be on the side of the road with a door open letting the battery die taped off and nobody was there holding or securing the scene and they would show up and they'd be like what in the world have i just walked into and then they would investigate it Mostly they would send former local cops who knew how to do it, guys who had Indian, uh, you know, Indian reservation experience. And then they would send like a couple of guys like your, your buddy there, which is awful. It's, it's really bad for the, for, for the Bureau for public affairs. When, when I work, I mean, in Indian reservation there, you don't, you're, you don't have a partner. You're on your own most of the time. Correct. And, go, and, and so they sent this guy in there and he was removed immediately. And when he got back, he was subjected to a, 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 
performance, negative performance evaluations, and he was basically walked out the door. And it was over a joke. And it, 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 was, it was literally just, a uh, joke. Get a mute? What was that? Say again? Can you still hear me? Can you hear me? Ryan, do we have yeah, a, we a stream disconnect there? No, I can hear you. Can you not hear I Kurt? Can you hear me? Connect. Oh, Kyle can't hear us now for some reason. Oh, okay. So let's bad mouth him. Yeah, let's do it. Oh, uh, let me text Kyle. Shoot, that sucks. Oh, man. Well, I don't know how to fix that one, Kyle. Um, okay. Kyle's working on uh, fixing it right as we speak. So just give us one second, Kurt. My board is going to so reboot. Nice okay, Kyle's to... rebooting his board. Yeah, that might be it. Uh, so me and Kurt will just hang out here and talk for a second. So, Kurt, so, tell me something else. So, so basically what you have is you have a joke played by management, and they basically caused an agent to be to be forced out and the bureau is going out of its way to actually get minorities inside the um inside the fbi and then their field office management is basically get rid of them i actually have another age another agent he calls me up he's african-american this guy is probably the most articulate agent i have ever met and he was subjected to he was at he actually had to file an EEO because of because of the, the racial discrimination that was clearly going on. He got through that. We had a settlement with that with, with with that case. He then goes and all of a sudden the bureau comes to him and says, hey, we have um, we lost your we lost this is sec this security division sec D. They came and said, hey, we lost your um, your polygraph. So you have to do another polygraph. Now, anyone who has any experience in the FBI knows that in order to get into Quantico, you have to have a polygraph on file. It has to be there or you're not going. And mm -hmm. so I write, I, after listening to this, I said, look, they're, they're planning on terminating you. This is going to, they're going to um, take the steps necessary to get you out. And so I, so we thought about it for a while. So what I did was I wrote a letter to the director and to Congress and said, hey, look at FBI, you have lost the personal information of one of your agents. You've lost personal identifying information, name. You've also apparently lost the notes on the on um, on the actual interview, and and therefore you have a cybersecurity privacy breach. And day one, I'm sure that was the first time they've ever heard that you could that losing losing data would be a privacy breach in the FBI. On day two, they come to the agent and said, congratulations, you don't have to do the polygraph. We have, um, we found your um, polygraph, just coincidentally. And so, so my, I talked to the, my client and he was like, well, that's good. And I said, look, you need to find another job because they're going to come after you again. And several weeks later, the, um, the bureau files a, uh, um, gives him a poor performance rating because he is angry and he's angry because he was having a dispute with fbi headquarters about pay and about um about benefits and he was not happy with the fact that they were not able to address an issue now fbi headquarters actually it would take 11 months to get your retirement pay fbi headquarters for pay and for benefits is horrendous here the, and this guy is upset with them and unfortunately what they did was 
they use the stereotypical angry black man to get um to actually um to give him a poor performance rating which is which will result in um eo and and probably litigation kyle can you hear me i can't hear a word we can shut down and start back up he can hear you now kurt but we can't hear him <laughs> yeah we can't hear you kyle there he goes he's gonna he's gonna jump out and come back while he comes back Kurt, let me let me read the next part, which Kyle's going to jump into for you, and I'll have you comment on this. So he says there were approximately 300 FBI check, employees check. who refused. There you are, Kyle. You're back here. You want to take, take over, Kyle? Read this one. Yeah, uh, there's approximately 300 FBI employees who refused to take the COVID vaccine, and they were communicating with each other about the FBI headquarters, discriminating against conservative Christian employees and others who refused to take the vaccine for political reasons. The disclosure says to lawmakers. This is directly from the piece that uh, that Carrie Pickett did. Can you guys hear me now? Man, the can FBI the, really the, didn't like this stream today, yes. huh? Oh. Okay. Well, here, well, here's the here's what when I'm talking about the political beliefs. I mean, what I'm what I'm talking about is I am, and this is go this is a congressional a letter going to Congress, so it's it's going to be worded um, in an appropriate way. They, they're quite literally targeting just conservatives. They're, they're and they're targeting them. And the, the litmus test for this is if you have if you have, um, you know, you have not taken that COVID test then you are um then you're probably one of those alt-right conservatives and you're um and, and you're a threat that's that's what that's basically what the um the individuals the employees are were, were advising congress and and and, and his political beliefs but and it's also it's the problem why we focused on political beliefs is because if it was religious beliefs you would have a discrimination case but the fbi there is no recourse Within the within the EEO or within any of those processes to get any relief for political, here's why: because it's FBI, not a protected status. It's not a protected status, but also because of because of the Hatch Act, you're not allowed to have political beliefs anyway. They're exposed during your work, right? That's the whole point. We're not supposed. We're a, you. You're the FBI agents transparent. There are no politics, mm -hmm. and I mean, okay, the deputy director was wearing wearing um, election shirts while he was deputy director. I get that, and putting my TV. But everybody else was subject to the Hatch Act. But here, <laughs> and, and, and again, we're looking at this going. It is not the political beliefs directly relate into these religious beliefs. But you could all of a sudden there is a list of three hundred people that that did not take a COVID test. Now here's the weird, worst part about this is when I tried to get a COVID test because I had, I was at the world trade. So I have, I have a, just a ton of damage to my lungs. A month after the world trade center, I was at, a, um, I was helping pull the black box out of a um, jetliner that was crashed in far Rockaway. And that's just because what agents do, Hey, I'm there. Let's go try to pull a black box out of an airplane. And I was, my lungs were burned by battery acid and I wanted to take a COVID test. And my my ASAC, who didn't like me, was like, no, you can't take it. You'll be violating our protocols. And in Connecticut, you are not on top of the list. You have to wait in line. Even though I managed to arrange COVID tests for everyone in my squad, right. or COVID vaccines for everyone in my squad who want to take one, because we were on the street during COVID because we were doing human trafficking. Human traffic, right. my squad wasn't stopping. I, I went and asked the, the, nur the nurses at the hospital, can you get vaccines if they want them and they're like dude we don't want you guys sick we actually have a special suite for for police and law enforcement because of the um the problem th that they're having and oh by the way you know you're fat and heavy and you're going to have you know you have additional problems if you go in 
well, they and it goes. That's this is an issue. We want you to have that vaccine because you're you're that risk. In fact, my squad, part of it, went to New York, and was in New York doing the work of the NYPD's cyber crimes unit, um, in forensic unit because that unit had shut down. So we were at Staten Island doing work, and they weren't giving us, they weren't giving us um. The COVID in the ASAC wouldn't get, allow us to have the COVID vaccine, which is crazy. Now they're, they're actually punishing others. Yeah, they're, they're throwing people out. So, folks, if you're just joining us now, some of you are just seeing our stream for the first time. We're talking with Kurt Suzdak. He's a retired FBI agent. He's an attorney. He represents whistleblowers. He is dealing. Uh, we're talking about the story uh, of a, a number of whistleblowers that went forward that we don't know on the, sto- the show. I've never met them. Or if I have, I don't know who they are. Uh, I have not been in communication with them in any way, shape or form. And there's a story from Kerry Pickett at the Washington Times right now. Uh, I also want to just call attention to our live chat, which is killing it right now. If you're watching it anywhere else and you're not on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin, you are missing out on a very amusing live chat, including Mitch Raps Glock just said, uh, Ryan, I want to let you guys know that I just taped the tag back on my Serta Perfect mattress. Uh, the FBI... Uh, they don't. They don't want to be messed with the. They don't want the FBI messing with them because of the mattress tag. Uh, you guys have a great sense of humor in the chat. It's the best, and it's starting to move faster and faster. We're we're getting to the point where there's a lot of you in there. You're gonna have to use the slow chat feature. Go ahead, Kurt. How, how is how is it how is it possible that the I want I mean here okay and, and my ASAC couldn't stand me because I was I was a political lightning rod. And um, in, in another, I was helping agents out while I was in the bureau. I mean, I would have people call me up as I was driving home and say, "Hey, Kurt, I'm desperate. I got, I, I'm, I feel I, I, the world's against me. The bureau. I got into a, um, a problem, and I'm having OPR. I'm getting OPR, subject to administrative discipline. I'm like, congratulations, you're going to be, you're now fully qualified to be a head of a field office in SAC because all, everyone there is all the SACs are doing crazy crap. Why do they all have sexual misconduct in their backyard? Why are all the compromised people in charge of things at the Bureau? Can you talk about that? <laughs> <laughs> you're going to have to choose your words carefully. Well, I mean, I, again, when I went in New York, I, my, I, my bosses, a guy named Calstrom was a, was a force of nature. He was, a, he was the ADIC in New York. He was a force of nature. Um, this guy knew what he was doing. John O'Neill, an SAC, knew how to resolve problems. He wasn't going to let a guy, I mean, if, if you had a problem in the office and going to a shooting range wouldn't be a problem that John O'Neill would, would be talking about. If you, had, if you, if you crashed a car and got hurt, they would little and, and you're, you're acting a little nuts. They would take your gun away, give you, put you on the rubber gun squad. Rubber gun they squad. Stay there for a while, and then when you're ready to go back, you would. They would actually handle those issues right away. I mean, it was it was a very efficient how they how they did it. Um, they New put York, you somewhere and they make you the commander of the broom closet, the rubber gun squad, where yes. you're not going to bother anybody, where you're just out of the way, and uh, and because they're probably not going to be able to fire you easily, at least historically they couldn't, before they started doing this process. Okay, just to make sure that we understand. You know what you call um, FBI agents that are sitting out there just loving their guns and they just want to do that and play? You know what you call those in the FBI? They're called SWAT operators. That's what they call I mean, in the FBI, when I was over on um, working operations, counterterrorism in the Middle East, where I was under fire. I had SWAT and HRT providing cover so I could do work. Mm-hmm. And, and and I'm not sitting there alone traveling through some of the most dangerous wild wild territory alone. But those, those SWAT operators are a huge deal in the FBI, and, especially. And, and they're, not, they're not doing cases. They're just like a lot of them not, are CIA not, not, agents. They're, they're guys who have a ton of time on their hand to go train and do fun stuff. Do you know why I didn't join SWAT at, at Washington Field? And I think I... I, I attended a bunch of SWAT raids because I was a paramedic and I'm, I'm a shoe in to be helpful. I didn't attend because I sat down to a meeting 
and I'm standing there in a hallway and the lead recruiting guy for their SWAT team and, and WFO has a big SWAT team. It's like 60 plus guys, which is as big as anybody. Miami and New York, Los Angeles and Washington field all have the biggest SWAT teams. Uh, I think they're called enhanced teams. So I'm standing there in a hallway. It's a, it's an L shaped hallway. I'm on one leg of the hall. This uh, a buddy of mine is standing on the other. We're about eight or 10 feet away from the door of the team room, which opens up and the guy who's recruiting comes out. And it's for an informational meeting, all agents who are new or otherwise that want to join SWAT. And he has a clipboard in his hand and he looks over at me and he looks over at my friend Hunter and he goes, um, you guys put your names on the, on the list as you check in. And he looks over at us both again and he just drops it on the floor. And then he walks back into the room and closes the door. And I was like, what a dick. Like, there's no other way to say it. That guy is a dick. And, uh, and he was always like that. So here's the thing. Then we get in. We all fill out our names. We push it around. I go sit in the back of the room. I've been in that team room. I have access. I have door access to the, to the SWAT team room because I'm there every morning for their raids because I'm one of the medics that drives the, the medevac unit. And I've done that a bunch. I've been there probably 40, 50 times. And I sit in the back of the room and the STL steps out. And the STL is not a former operator, like some of the SEALs that are on the team that used to be there. He's not a former Green Beret, like they had on the team. He's a former accountant who rose up through the administrative ranks, had never done any casework apparently. And he was just a senior agent that was nothing but a full-time SWAT guy. That's what he did. And he taught pistol stuff. And he goes, and, and with no sense of irony, by the way, with no sense of humility or irony, he goes, so you guys are considering being on Washington Field SWAT. Basically, CQB is our bread and butter. And I and I almost I, I thought he was joking for a second. Then I realized he was serious and I started laughing internally. And then I left. I, I left the room. And that was the last time that I was interested in doing it. When someone tells you who's a federal agent on a part time tactical team that has never worked cases and doesn't do their job and sits in that thing and gets in zero shootings. By the way, Washington Field, where I used to work, has shot more FBI agents in training than they have bad guys in the last 10 years by a factor of like 400%. It's <laughs> wild how many more. They've, they've had injuries, like discharges, guys shot on the range from stupid stuff because the CQB is not their bread and butter. It's like what they think their bread and butter is. Anyway, so yeah, but, but, yeah okay, a guy but, shooting but, his gun is supposed to be no big deal. I want, I, want to def I want to defend this. I'm going to defend the SWAT guys. Do it. I mean, some of them were good. There's no question. I'm not saying yeah, because that. Because saying... I was in New York. I mean, in, in New Haven, I probably had more time in – in fact, I knew this at one point. I had more time in combat than the entire, the entire SWAT team combined. And then they got, they got another um, – they got uh, – at that point, someone transferred back in temporarily, was temporarily gone, who, who had time on HRT, and he had, he had a time. But I had a lot of time – in in um in combat zones and that that's watching but you go to new york and in new york when when you you talk about the new york teams in new york those guys are the masters of close quarter battle and you because you have a much older set of operators they they train they have to do you i mean they have to do pro projects that are outrageous this is 20 this is 15 years ago back in the 2000s they really were when you looked at teams that were um, as they were as good as anything, but they didn't work cases. I mean, they were, they had to have a case assigned to them, but their primary job was to make sure they were fit for, um, whatever was going on. And the fact that they didn't have shootings was actually, I mean, I, I, I was, I yeah, was not getting into shootings is a, is a mark of a team that's doing it well. Yes. I was actually at a SWAT. I was at a SWAT. They were doing a breach. They got through as a bodega in New York. They breached the door. They breached um, the front of the, the store. They breached the second um, area. Um, it, was a, it was all glass where the register was. And then they went up the second store. And the operator, the last operator, went by the cash register clerk. He went by him because that wasn't part of it. And as I was coming in, just coincidentally, I was coming in, and I had a 12-gauge. The um, That guy reached into his desk, 
pulled out a 357, proceeded to turn around and walk up towards the SWAT guys, totally missing me because I'm just dressed in street gear and I'm like trying to fumble with my shotgun. And, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh shoot, I gotta, I got, I got, I gotta put this guy down. And once, you know, once somebody realized that they're, they're facing off the shotgun, it, he went, he, he, he was, uh, he surrendered he, right away. He changed. And he his was mind. one of the main targets. Yeah. But, um, but, but again, that's the type of stuff. They're, they have. It's so easy to make mistakes in those environments. Those yeah, New York is definitely a special. If you deal with ever the the, they're not called SWAT in uh, NYPD. If my memory serves, it's like ER, sir, sir. Yeah, the special incident response yes. team or something like that. They have a name that's different, or, or and maybe ESD like emergency yeah. security they're division. They're hanging or off trains trying to rescue people. They're doing I'm wild just, stuff, and I've yeah, met a couple of them, nuts. and they're they're really good people, like NYPD guys that do that. New York is a unique challenge. Big big urban areas like that are definitely a challenge. Um, but do you, but do you know I'm, how, I'm just saying the culture short. of the place. The bureau it, is short on SWAT operators. The bureau has not been able to get people because they've really been recruiting a different type of agent. Back, you you have yeah, transgender agents. Say again. Tran transgender agents. Well, whatever. Like we, the, the, like we not, talked about not, yesterday. What they're, what they're recruiting is not guys that are going to want to be in SWAT, mm -hmm. and that show. And their tactical teams are all. Most of them have um, less than the minimum number, and you have to have a minimum number of operators to perform. And oh, by the way, you have some guy who's out there practicing. If I'm the ASAC, I'm like, dude, guess you volunteer for the SWAT team. That yeah. that's what I would do with you. I'd be that, if I saw that on a range and I was a supervisor, you you're that gung ho man. Go 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 suit up because you're good. Well, you have volunteered yourself for training. Let's what play the last. Let's, let's play the let's play the end of that video because I want you to show you. I want to show you how it ended too. We're gonna play the last few seconds of this uh, little uh, interview that that I did in the field. So if you're just joining us now, you missed the body cam. You're gonna want to go back and see the body cam footage. It's also in our channel. But this is the last few seconds of the interaction that that allegedly got me removed. Uh, between that and and my apparently political beliefs based on my COVID shot, which was. 100%. I, I gave a three-page uh, religious uh, exemption request, which they don't have to grant, but they do have to at least look at, and they didn't adjudicate. So, Kurt, I gave them three pages, signed, notarized of my beliefs that are pro-life. This is how this inter, uh, incident ended. Let's go ahead and run that real quick, uh, if you will. Yeah, it's not, well, I, I was standing out there in the freaking night, and I just hear pop, 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 and you can just, I was like, God dang it. So here we go. All right. So anyway. On, hey, on the same good, team. Sounds good. Have a good one. All right. Be safe. Yeah, you too. All right. Can you wait till we get out of here before you start? Oh, yeah, for sure. Perfect. Thank you. Why? Why? They don't you shoot into a bank now. Like, yeah, I didn't want to call. You know what's crazy? Wait forget a sec. About, forget about the fact okay. that. Listen to this for a second. 10 8, no report. There it is. 10 8, no report. Okay, go ahead. Well, first of all, you can tell that you're real just by how your hand, by, by the, it looks like you have the clips and stuff that only law enforcement use or on, on the belt. I mean, people, you know, it's, you, you are set up that anyone who looks at you is going to know that's not somebody who's pretending that's a law enforcement officer just because in, or a competitive pistol guy. No, 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 IP, no. I'm, I'm looking at that. You're, 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 cause you got the car. You, I mean, you're going to, you're going to identify. I, I don't understand. I mean, and again, I don't understand why you would do it. And also, the people that were adjudicating you that were involved in that, they weren't informed that you were at a shooting range. I mean, I, we, we used to shoot. I mean, the, the FBI in um, and in New Haven, they were they shoot they were shooting within a few hundred feet of um, another building that was owned by a water company. 
I mean, they were shooting an area where we're like fresh water and they're putting lead into the ground right by the fresh water. Yeah, there's one of those in New Mexico, too. And they they got upset about it, but it's private land, so nobody could do anything. But yeah, you're shooting. I'm shooting in a place that's 865 yards away from the closest corner of the nearest building. That building happens to be a school. By the way, there's a big berm behind me that you can't see. But if you go a half mile away from me behind me, then you go up over this like 12 or 15 foot berm. So you can only see the top like third floor of this building because it's sunk down. They, they In New Mexico, a lot of times they raise the roads and they lower. So the uh, the height of that berm that you see behind me is actually about the height of where the school is blocked by. And then over the top of that behind us, we have a whole video on it. People can go check it out on the channel. That's it's actually the safest place you could ever shoot. It's the best place to shoot. Yeah, hands down. It's awesome. It's great. It was 10 minutes from my house. I drove out. It takes me... Um, it takes me two and a half minutes of driving over the dirt road from the main road to get out to that location. And like I said, you're driving over shotgun shells and pallets that people have set up with targets stapled on them. And, you know, it's it's nowhere near it. And then on the backside of that, that uh, that where the targets were, it's almost 20 miles of desert. And then beyond that is um, the, the Oregon Mountain Range, which is also there's no houses between me. And then after that is the White Sand Missile Range, which is 85 miles of empty desert. So I'm looking at almost 100 miles of empty desert in the direction in which I'm shooting, uh, plus an 8,000 foot tall mountain range. Just saying, like, there's there's not a better place to go shoot. It's safer than where the public range is, which was 45 minutes away. You're not getting <laughs> you're not getting adjudicated in a mis on a misconduct for uh, by IA or IIS. You're not you, you would not have gotten adjudicated as doing something wrong. Yep. You may have gotten an oral counseling for the idea of, you know, maybe you need to have a range flag, something like that. Right? <laughs> yeah, you need to you need to put up like a red a red yeah, range flag. Right, right. That's where they would go. Well, look, yeah, if you if you have you have to show that it's available because you know bad guys don't use range flags. Got it. Yeah, I had so, no range flag, but also no one no, ever I, offered me a range flag, so that would have been really funny if well, I. Well, I, I know you know what I'm saying. I'd be like, give me give me a pole to put on the back of my truck for a range flag. I absolutely but, love it. But th but th that's how the bureau is, right? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. No, they would mitigate it. It would be like, well, in, in aggravation, you know, he's been an agent for seven years or six years, but uh, in mitigation, uh, he he's been now counseled yeah. to raise the range flag. Yeah, and, and you get and you get counseling, but you but what what the bureau is actually saying what Dina Perkins and the others were oh Dina were, Perkins were yeah. alleging is that you're a threat to national security. Can you dig on that? That's where it gets really dumb and weird, and that's why I think people need to hear, you, uh, folks. If you're just joining us, the, 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 my guest as you're seeing on the uh, the. The Rumble channel here is Kurt Suzdak. He's an FBI whistleblower. He's a former FBI agent. He's an attorney that represents whistleblowers, including this one that we have in the show notes. So you can click the link to the Washington Times article by Kerry Pickett. I just wanted to make sure we get out who we're talking to and why your opinion is so relevant. Uh, two and a half decades of experience plus, what, about another couple of years now as representing them, including your own whistleblower cases. So you're an expert in this as far as I can tell. I'm, I probably have, I would, I would guess half of the, half of the whistleblowers in the FBI, and I'm, I even like the word whistleblowers, half of the FBI employees who have reported misconduct probably have done it through me. It's, there's, there's no hard facts because really the congressmen aren't releasing the numbers. I hear what they are, but, but the people who that deal with me are the ones who want to report misconduct and remain in the bureau. Yep. They, they want to be able to use the avenue that's available legally. They're going the 2% route. They're not going the Kyle. Yeah, that's right. They're, they're going, not going the Kyle Seraph show. They're not going right. the Kyle Seraph and throw the political grenades all over. They're political grenades, so we don't want to be accused of counter terror as a counter terrorism threat of real grenades. You know how that that's is. right. Well, grenades. God forbid, I, I, sir, sir, he's throwing grenades. He said he's throwing grenades. Open up this. No, I, repre I represented a, a guy who was um, he he was he left the bureau and he said told somebody he, that was in the bureau he's gonna kick his ass, and um they opened they opened the Guardian, 
and they opened uh they were opening a criminal case until a, a guardian is a counterterrorism system counter counter he was a threat to an yeah. agent you threatened an agent like dude i know how many agents i've threatened i mean we <laughs> all the time i mean this is like there is cop talk i mean there's i mean cop talk is different when they're talking about what they'll do to each other there's a lot there's a there's a lot of hormones involved in, in how this goes on but it's like you're you're going to tell someone who's a former agent that he made a comment to someone you're and he's he, you think he's a it's a death threat you're insane nobody's going to believe you that's an insane case that's a case you can't take to a grand jury you should not open this it's a bad precedent and they right. closed the case but they were literally trying to threaten him to arrest him on it and here i mean again you're i mean they're not saying you're you did something wrong what they're saying is you you are a threat to national security and, and should not possess any secret or top secret documents because of the incident that happened at that range. That's not, that's a totally different issue. And you, and, and I'm not sure, was, um, was the cop a Russian spy? Were you passing off information to this cop who is, you know, maybe Santa Cruz? Right. How do you justify that interaction, which people yeah. saw the majority of the of the interaction? There's a few other seconds in there that I chopped out. They're not relevant to. Was, but that's the, that's the that is the meat and potatoes of that interaction. It's under five minutes in total, of which 90 seconds is him driving into the desert because it's way the hell out there. And he started his body cam. And then you got to say that's a threat to national security. I don't know how you get there from there. I don't know. I don't see any national security nexus, nor I don't even see a threat nexus like to anybody. Nor I don't see well the judgment. The next one's going to be the judgment. Right. So for, first of all, the threat one doesn't exist because the threat, the issue is they wouldn't have a range if it was posing an issue to other people. I mean, they wouldn't allow it because it's because it would it it would be some type of criminal statute if you're you know if you're if you're creating um some type of um, hazardous environment to to children they're going to shut that down with an arrest either civilly or criminally they will th shut that down and they could so have closed the fire road by the way they could literally they could bolt the fire road shut it's on private property but they could shut the access they didn't. to it yeah they didn't of course not it was no, open but, every day so but th then they go to the next step of dina perkins this person is a threat to national security you what else happened i mean i mean they didn't they didn't bag you because you talked to me. We talked afterwards. Yes. You you had something had to have happened. There has to be some issue. And the only thing that makes you different is the fact that you are um, one of the people that you know that refused to take the COVID, and you were vocal about. Vocal and the second the second thing of it was well, there's the second thing because these happened almost simultaneously. So people to understand the timeline. Like I said, this is a very self serving show for me. I don't do these very often, but today is one of those days when your name is in the headlines. Uh, you you get to kind of roll in it for a moment. In September, I wrote a, uh, an affidavit, three pages, signed and notarized, and said that I would not be taking the COVID jabs because of my pro-life stance and all the reasons why and all my Catholic beliefs. Um, my wife was baptized not long after that. Just before they took my badge and my gun, my wife was baptized as a Catholic. And so we have a very pro-life stance in this house. We we're against abortion. We we're against using fetal cell lines. That was all outlined in a, um, in a legal document that they had the right to refuse. They could have said, like, well, we can't accommodate you. That would have been a very different argument. They didn't do that. The second thing that happens is I get an email from somebody in my office that passed it down through the chain all the way from the assistant director of counterterrorism. His name is Carlson Peoples. He's now in charge, I think, of the Las Vegas field office, if memory serves. So he's been moved on and promoted out to the field. And this email said that the FBI would be investigating parents at school board meetings using a threat tag, EDU officials, which I believed not was illegal. I didn't actually believe that that was illegal. I don't think it's good, but I think it's not illegal because the FBI could find a, an area where that would be an interstate threat nexus. What I believed was that the attorney general 
general of the United States committed perjury because he had said they would not be using counterterrorism resources to go after parents. So that's a very specific violation of rule, policy, or law as defined by the FBI Whistleblower Protection Act. And so I brought that forward to a member of Congress, which I'm supposed to be guaranteed by 5 U.S.C. 7211. When I brought that forward, now I am a COVID-vax refuser. And I'm a whistleblower bringing FBI information. By the way, I didn't just disclose that. I talked about what was going on in the Afghan bases um, in you know, Fort Bliss and also at Holloman Air Force Base. Those were really problematic to me. And the failure of the United States to vet people was something I brought to the attention of Congress. I felt like that was a violation of policy and potentially rule, maybe federal law. But we kind of like I brought it forward in a good faith. And then additionally, I added that there was some 702 FISA abuse that I had witnessed and a couple of other things that I had been slowly reporting through OIG, the Office of the Inspector General, but had never gotten any legs. And so I'm like, look, I'm in front of members of Congress's staff. I'm going to share all this stuff. We had a two and a half hour uh, interview or meeting, and they took down pages and pages of notes. And some of that stuff obviously made it to Jim Jordan's committee. I'm letting you kind of know where I came from with this. And then at that time, then they reviewed, they, they kicked me out of the office and said, you can no longer come into this office because... Uh, you won't get tested for COVID every 72 hours. And I said, I've got a top secret clearance and I'm a paramedic and I've been in so for a decade and I am licensed as a paramedic to do tactical work and medical care and even sick calls for the FBI. If the FBI had rolled out uh, a bunch of COVID tests, I would have been the guy in my office that administered them to people. I was the highest trained medical person in my office. If I don't know if you knew that, but that was the case. Um, so it was me and the nurse. But I'm an insider threat. I'm a threat to national well, you are. security. I mean, really, that's what that's what that is. Is that you're you you threat you're threatening the institution itself because because I mean, when's the last time the FBI had 300 people that said no? I mean, they, they, had, they had about 3,000 as far as we could tell. Maybe 3,000, 3,500, but 300 that were vocal, right, talking most, to each other and sharing information. Don't talk about this stuff. That's they'll, right. They'll, like, I mean, I knew people when they come in as well. We have to. I was like, look, just don't take it. Don't don't give me any paperwork. Just the, the paperwork is gonna get you in trouble right. as a supervisor, and, and that's where I was with them. Just if you don't want to take it, I don't care. Go you know go get sick. It was for me. It was a real tough illness to have. But again, if the people that were vocal and the fact that they're communicating looks like they're unionizing, and that political issue is where you where where they had every the bureau had every reason to to get rid of the people and indeed and literally I mean it's they. January 6th didn't help because the Bureau has taken, you know, tremendous actions against people for January 6th that they had no basis to take. I, you know, it is crazy. Um, some of the stuff that they have done that is not public that has been done to people, employees in the FBI. It's so sad. Um, it's really gross, too, to think about all that. But, uh, but that's sort of the nature of that's that's why we had to be so vocal. That's why the Kyle Serafin route existed, because I looked at it and I was like, well, this is a job. It's good. Uh, I like it. I like doing what I was doing. I really did. I actually enjoyed doing it. I would have liked to continue doing it, but it's not worth my integrity or my honor. I kind of thought we were all on the same page. It turns out it's not very many no. of us. That's what the suspendables are. Let me what? let me do a, let me do a merch plug real yep. quick. Um, so folks, Ryan, if you give me a full screen here, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you like what you're seeing on my shirt, you like what's going on with the suspendables, you guys can also support, uh, GOB actual who was supposed to be on here, but, uh, randomly had an internet update today. You guys can go to the dash suspendables.com, the dash suspendables.com. You can order the pins. Uh, I think there's actually a bundle here. Do I have the merch bundle up? I guess I don't anymore. Uh, order the pins. You can do three at a time. They're, they're basically come out to 10 bucks with free shipping. If you want to do that, 10 bucks each. So you can order pins, which we've been wearing on all of our suits. You can wear the Ranger panties. You can wear the shirt like I'm wearing today, which is the Zelensky special or the Z special. In case you need to go beg for money from Congress, you're looking for billions. This is the right shirt. Let's you know what's right. Uh, the 
Garrett-Dispendables.com. You can use my name, promo code Kyle. It'll save you a couple bucks if you want to buy them. Uh, Garrett's out there like a madman. He said, you guys keep sending in orders, so good stuff. He's making them. His wife profits from them. Uh, it's definitely not Garrett O'Boyle's company. It's definitely his wife's company because he's still technically a suspended forever FBI agent. Uh, support them if you can. Uh, carry on. Yeah, no people. People don't want to step up. Kurt, I, I don't know why they well, don't want to step up, but let's let's go to the best one. Was okay, and I, I had actually I didn't believe it. I think actually you may have confirmed that was true because I had one. Well, I had one employee who says, "Hey, by the way, I was reporting that um, that Sec D was having coloring crayon hour." Yeah, and I'm like, Steve Friend reported that, and I and, well, evidently, yeah, and, and someone reported that you know waste, fraud, and abuse, but and I, I actually didn't believe it. And, I, and, I, and to this day, you, you're going to have coloring book hour in security. I mean, security division has two processes. They're eliminating guys, guys and girls that are actually out, you know, violating, you know, you know, who aren't loyal to the U.S. And they're having coloring. They're having what coloring crayon competitions. Yeah, well, I mean, they, it's very stressful working at headquarters. You got to drive into deep. You got to have somebody take you on the metro. You have to draw. What, what agent do you know that's going to do that? Well, I mean, we're recruiting out. transgender agents right now. We've got people that are, it was just reported by Darren Beatty that the FBI is actually doing recruiting at pride events. So, you know, like maybe those kind of people are interested in coloring. You know, they want all the colors. The only other people I know that are interested in coloring or in crayons, at least in the FBI, are former Marines and they eat them. And so I don't hold that against well, them. That's just, that's what they do. But you, but when you go to Quantico, they're going to give you a firearm. They're going to sit you in a class and they're going to show you cops being killed. Right. We, I did that. They're going to sit there and show you police being killed and say, look, in your course of your duties, you are very likely going to see um, people dying. And if you don't do what you have to do in these situations, you're not capable, then you cannot be an FBI agent. The, the, the base minimum level for being an FBI agent is that you're proficient with a firearm and you're able to stop some type of violent threat that um, that actually, you know, you know, that pops up. I mean, I've, I've sat with people that had, were bleeding from their stomach and had been shot through their stomach and waiting for helos to come in, a helo to come in and pick them up. This is not something that has been, you know, is a, you know, is a minor issue in the FBI. You have to be able to do, do these basic functions. In because theory. Not- yeah. And so as just a, as sort of a, a visual example to people, my first week, they try to scare off anybody that's not prepared to be able to be involved in this kind of thing. These are not the crayon people. Theoretically, these are people that are serious and want to carry a firearm and and defend your civil liberties. Uh, Sam Hicks was killed. He was actually a member of one of my buddy's classes and uh, he was killed. So they showed his body armor, which was uh, which was still bloody. And it, it lives in a case. And they brought out the case and they set it up there and they made everybody walk by it silently and say, this could happen to you. You could die doing this job. We also know that that's not very common. You and I both know that. And the number of FBI agents that have touched a dead body in the line of duty is very, very small in my experience. But it theoretically should be something that you at least have in your heart that that is a real possibility. You don't need to color with crayons at headquarters to be able to get through your day, I would hope. You're, I mean, let's look at it. In the line of police work, I think it's more dangerous to be a roofer than a police officer in this country. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not real. I mean, there are some dangerous jobs. It's more that, dangerous to be a postal delivery person, I would think, because yeah. you go into way worse neighborhoods. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole point. But but again, but again, like you have um, one of the nicest guy. I mean, you have a lot of egos on hostage rescue, but one of the nicest guys here was Greg Roy, who and he got he got bullet through his neck on a training range mm-hmm. one day. I mean, he was he, 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 he they thought he was a pop up target and, they, and, they, and, and the sniper put him down. And I mean, that and we have we have the FBI. Right now, maybe they don't do it, but 
but 10 years ago, you would you could be deployed overseas and be in combat zone and face regular daily rocket attacks, um, you know, bull, bullets. I actually drove down a road one day and there was um, a gunship over me and it, there was the brass from Apache that was landing in the back of my pickup truck because they were they were addressing a guy, some people that were trying to climb over the wall, which I was driving by. I mean, it, these are real things and you have to have that. And those, the fact that you have people that are interested like you provides the other agents that don't a lot of comfort because you have people that are hyper competent in this one area. And meanwhile, oh, but we're gonna have to get rid of him. For what? Shot? He's in good shape. He's not a threat. I mean, again, this is political. This is not, this has nothing to do with COVID. It is, that is, that is the litmus test for being, cons, uh, you know, conservative. You That's use the word, I, use the word purge. I use that word purge. I've used it to Jim Jordan's office. I've heard Jim Jordan say the word purge. And and I, I was trying to explain it to him and I don't know if they've ever received it, but it's like, this is not, this is not hyperbole. This is not someone saying something and I'm, no, and I'm emotional about it. I'm telling you, they are purging people out of the FBI and they are building a core of people that are willing to go do door knocks for January 6th cases that are nonviolent and misdemeanors and a waste of the FBI's time, quite frankly, and they're delegitimizing the agency and they're letting it happen. And, and we're just trying to say, hey, this is not good. Okay, it's 20, 20, this, 25 years ago, not 20 years ago, mm -hmm. you would have um, some agent would screw up doing something stupid, okay, in New York. And it would be like, it'd be, it would make front page news in the New York Post. And then the the, the the assistant director in charge would walk in, grab some agent, and goes, you know that case you're working? You're going to arrest everybody tomorrow because we have to have something good on the news in the newspapers tomorrow. So you need to arrest at least 30 of those people so we can get 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 some good feelings back here after that that guy did something wrong. And there would be an arrest literally splashed over. You'd have wise guys walking out with handcuffs. And and, and meanwhile, it was only because some someone. Actually yeah, got they moved. They moved up the timetable for PR. But at least the case was far enough along that they could have done that if they wanted to. Yes. But. But here's the thing: there are no more cases like that. No, there, 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 there are no more cases where you are where they are going after, um, going after the the, the the wise guys. Then ten years ago, that was oh by the way, we got some CT case where we're, we have undercover who's supplying, you know, not only the motive but the demolition, the explosives, everything right. to all. This is group of basically low, you know, low, low uh, you know, low educated guys and working them up to try to blow up something, you know, in the name of Islam. Well, let me show you. Let me show you the wise guys because this will be the next. Ryan, can you throw the thumbnail up for today? Because I got I got a group of guys that they could go after to get their good feel. There they are. Look at them. Yeah, that's well, a that's, that's a perfect group to be indicting right now uh, in the current FBI. Look at that problematic group of guys. What? Two, three dudes in suits. What is that all about? You know, it's like. Have you yeah. seen what's the last case you've seen that mattered that was in the newspaper? It's well, they occasionally grab a lot of uh, local crimes and then they do them for four years. And then they say we had a serial robber of auto parts stores. Steve Friend is going to be able to do an entire podcast on FBI press releases just because of the joke that it is. So I agree with you. It's not they're not doing the complex, long term criminal investigations that are real threats to people. They're not securing the border. They're not going after breaking down cartel chains. OK, wait, wait, wait. I just just so you know, just so you know about the border. Let's yeah. let's look at the capability. The FBI is a capability to get whatever it wants as far as metadata from telephones. That's really what 702 is. So basically they can geofence the border, get every cell phone that's walking north across the border mm -hmm. and identified as foreign. And they're allowed to do everything, listen to everything and know where that phone is. And they could track everybody who has a phone. And I promise you, everyone above seven years old has a phone when they cross the border. Yeah, so they, they don't, we give it to them. Yeah, they're, all, what, they're Obama phones? Yeah, they're <laughs> okay. Obama phones. So, so 
but they could track every single immigrant that comes across that border in real, in almost real time on where they are. And have you heard anybody doing that? No, I mean, that's not happening. No, it's they had to like Trump. We're gonna have to, you know, we're we're, we're looking at the you know the new pre, you know the president. They're doing the seven hundred two. They could literally track. You could, I, you know, how hard that would be. That would be trivial to set up inside HSI or the FBI that geofencing, identifying all the all of the phones, and then getting daily rundowns on where they all are, knowing exactly where every phone is put to bed every night that was brought in by an immigrant. Yeah, but then they'd have to brief that to the director and they wouldn't be able to brief what the suspendables are doing. And it's way easier to yell at us and yeah. get mad about Carrie Pickett writing stuff. Yeah, I mean, that again, so what are, the, what are they, if they're, they're not using these powers to go after um, people down by the border or go or, or even monitor them, which they can, the chance, the simple fact is, and you've heard this over and over, that you'll talk to an agent, and agents say, you're, you know, laugh and say, yeah, you're being monitored. You're, they're up on you. And, 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 and you could be quite sure they are because you're an insider threat. And anyone who's deemed as an insider threat would be monitored by the FBI. And, one and of the, I, yeah, one of the, the crazy things that George Hill told me, he's like, you know, the definition of national security changed on 9-11. We went from saying, um, you know, that we must preserve the Constitution, protect the American, um, you know, constitutional republic. And that's what national security is. People die during that. It happens. People give their lives and they're and they're. You know, proud to do so. That's what a military service may be about, law enforcement. And then after 9-11, it was no American dies from terrorists on U.S. soil. So that's tyrannical. And it slowly took about 20 something years to get there. You are also adding to that the definition of insider threat for the FBI, which used to be Robert Hansen, Ultra James types, people who were moles in the federal yes. government, giving information to a, to a foreign power to the detriment of United States security. And now that game is you're, you. you're dangerous to the FBI's yes. public affairs group. And so yes. I'm an insider threat by definition for the new FBI. Threat. Yeah. Yeah. That, and, and, and let's, let's face the fact you're going to be identified in that category because there's an insider threat unit. There's a whole unit that does this, people, yes. if you don't know this. We're, yes, look, we're talking to... Uh, we're talking to Kurt Suzdak. He's an FBI, uh, former FBI agent. He's retired. He's a whistleblower attorney. He does cybersecurity as well. Uh, he was an FBI whistleblower himself, wrote a book about it called the FBI Whistleblower Handbook. Kurt is a friend of ours, a friend of mine. He's uh, pretty hilarious. He's been less hilarious because we're dealing with such a serious topic. But uh, if you guys are watching right now on Rumble, we saw we had a pretty good crowd in here. Please hit the like button. Give us the, that green thumbs up. It puts us on the leaderboard, lets people know that you like what we're doing. Um, and many of you are getting a longer show than you anticipated because... There's so much here, and it's so silly. And like I said, this is self-serving for me. It's kind of therapy uh, for a Wednesday. We were supposed to have GOB Actual on, and um, he has suspicious internet issues. Nobody knows why. Nobody could ever diagnose why that would be. Kurt, do you have any ideas why they would have uh, his internet would randomly get uh, jacked up on the day that we're talking? <laughs> I, well, I mean, look, they can't they can't tap you if 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 they're actually cutting the lines. They they you know, let's face it. When um, let him speak, when I, sir. I put out my book. Kind of when I put out my book, the first order came in from the FBI at 50, 50 copies, and I was like, "Thank you very much." I ordered the first the first copy, and I don't make a, just to, to make to understand. I don't provide help for agents um, to, for agents as a fee. I don't. I, I work. I do cyber law. I love. I love privacy law. Mm -hmm. um, but people, the agents who call me up, I'm not, I'm not charging them. That is all pro bono. And that's actually to help the FBI. And, you know, I'm considering myself like Westmoreland, you know, in, in order to help Vietnam, we're going to have to bomb the hell out of it. It's not from a place of hatred. It's not that you hate the FBI. I, I no, think you I love, love the being FBI. there. The yeah. people, the people are spectacular. 
Yeah. I met my best friend during in the FBI. I met him during he became a best friend during a gunfight. During a gunfight, because he was standing behind me. I was like, What are you doing? As I was kneeling, and he goes, Your boss told me to stay on your back. So he walked out in the middle of the road and sat down behind me to put his body armor in between me and whatever was behind. You I mean, you have great people that are out there, but they're not getting promoted. You're getting you, what you have is you have people that are not doing cases that, that, and they're moving up the chain and it's turned into a, a feeding frenzy up in SECTI. And it's not like there's a thousand of these guys, security division, SECTI is security division. There's not a thousand, but you don't need a thousand. All you need are, are a dozen. You know, it takes one bad cop to destroy a small department. It doesn't take that many people to wreck FBI headquarters. I mean, you have one, if one person's deciding, screw it, I don't like Kyle Serafin, which has been said inside SECD, I don't like him. He should have been removed. They're not, that person should have recused himself from evaluating your case, but that person never recuses herself. That was the other comment. That person, you know, Dina will never recuse herself in a case. And oh, by the way, I'm going to adjudicate this guy because, because, I, well, her statement is because she doesn't like you. If she, she thinks you suck as an agent. But that's not her job. Her job is to assess you on your national security. Look at and I, I people I've had people tell me people p agents have different methods of doing investigations. I'm I'm literally a donut coffee guy. I'm not I'm gonna go give a donut, talk to people until they until they're talking to me. Um and, and some people don't like that. There's a lot of different ways to do it, but when you know, so you'll say you suck or you don't to the her job isn't to determine whether Kyle Serafin sucks. That's Kyle Serafin's supervisor. There's a whole supervisory process. If she has those opinions about Kyle, she must recuse herself from that adjudication because she is literally doing something to Kyle, which is the most severe thing you could do to an employee inside the government. You have deemed that employee to be so unfit that they're not able to take and see and use any classified materials at all that's what this is about this is like the worst that he can't you cannot get a job at a defense contractor you can't get a job in dc you'll never i mean being removed with that you're done you are permanently destroyed you know for a whole bunch of um whole bunch of firms this is a, a draconian thing and oh by the way they're not even following the rules what they did to you if it's not, it is it, it, tantamount. Those false statements should be prosecuted. They should be prosecuted. If you're going to do that and you are going to take a different set of rules and apply it, that's that that's a false statement because they're they're determining what that you actually are um, they, that they have actually followed these rules and this is their adjudication when when they know and they've been told by their subordinates this isn't how it works. This this is this is literally. A few people who have corrupted this system, and by the way, the, the other thing was this: the the people that are making the adjudications have their name redacted from all of the records. So Kyle would have never known who adjudicated his um, his um, his uh, security clearance if it wasn't for somebody in the FBI headquarters making that report to Congress. That's correct, Kyle. Did you know? Did who I did, know who 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 did the adjudication for you? Oh, I had no idea that Dana was involved in that. No. 
Yeah. Not at all. And so, let's and let's and let's draw this line because some people who watch this podcast have been listening for a little while. You know a person that we refer to kind of affectionately as Drunk Jenny. Her name is Jennifer Moore. She retired. She's now at GE. She's the uh, chief security officer over at uh, General Electric Aviation, I think. So she's in a security contracting job that she's woefully unfit for because she's just a disaster of a human being. But the fun thing was is that she was my special agent in charge of intelligence at Washington Field Office. She sat on the eighth floor of the Washington Field Headquarters Building, what we call a WFO Main. She was sitting on the eighth floor, and you're never going to believe who also sat on the eighth floor of that same building at the time that she was there. Her name is Dina Perkins. Yeah. Perkins was in charge of like a, I don't know, civil affairs type squad or like a public affairs coordinator job. And then Jennifer Moore went over to headquarters where she was now an assistant director. Is that seventh floor level AD? Yeah. Okay, so she's on the seventh floor over there, and she was running the human resources division, the training division, and so on. She became the executive assistant director of HRB, the, the human resources branch, which held the security division as one of them. And Dina was the assistant section chief over there, which is one of the probably top five, top four positions there. But she's a non-SES. She's a non-senior executive. So she's still like a G, is that a GS-15 assistant? Yeah. She's a GS-15, the top of the government pay scale, but she was getting her name redacted from all these reports. She's buddy with my old boss who gave me a big award, wrote me, you know, what a great job I had done, helped rebuild the surveillance program at this office. It's very amazing to me that I could get a award from the boss of the woman who was uh, doing the adjudication saying that I was the worst person and I should have never made it out of Quantico. She was running around, she was running her mouth is what you told me. You want to tell people a little bit about what she was saying, like specifically? Yeah, she was saying you were the, you should have never made it out of Quantico. You were the worst. You know, you, you were you were a, disaster, a performance disaster. You know, it. How does that have, undermine her if position? If opinion, I did, if you have personal opinions, you shouldn't be doing the adjudication. You should you should recuse yourself. That's just how it works. Kind of like when you have money invested in the company and you want to go investigate them for white collar. You're like, well, I can't do that. Yeah, it's one. It's one thing to hey, I know the guy, and I don't have an opinion one way or another. But if you have that strong of an opinion, now it's the other thing that I don't think people realize in the bureau is there are there are clubs. The bureau actually is a bunch of clubs. And the okay. best club out there, the one I love, is the Mormon Mafia. Yes. Now people don't people if you people who are Mormon, they are if they come into the bureau, they're going to be moved to counterintelligence because Mormons have had <laughs> this. This is like racial this racial bias but this is like how the bureau works it's non-racial but it's it's a but it's, it's a yeah, definitely it's, it's, it's a, it's a religious slant. it's a religious bias yeah okay which you're right it's religious bias but but literally they'll take someone there because the because the mormons know how to speak multiple languages they've been overseas they know how to deal the the, the more and the mormons by the way are considered one of the most loyal groups there is inside the fbi yes. i mean these are the, the you get if you get people that are going to investigate an agent for spying 20 years ago you may call on this mafia because they're all over the, the intelligence group and, um, and and say, hey, look, I need some people to do this investigation. And, and people laugh about those groups, but you have those. In New York, you had a few of these clubs. And in the in Washington, and I'm not I don't know what they call this group in Washington, this club, but this is a very small set of of of, of people that are actually involved in this. Jed Moore, you know, Dina, you have a few that were Spencer, actually- Spencer here. Evans, who was the uh, the deputy assistant director, also Mormon, uh, deputy hey. assistant director of uh, human resources, who I wrote and said, you were acting like a Nazi. They didn't like that very much. Yeah, but you, have, you have, but you have, but you have, yeah, you have, you have the um, women are kneeling down. This yeah. is, this is a, this is a, a, a hyper- We call them Neil Team Six. Oh man, oh my God. <laughs> The Neil Team Six. Oh my lord! You, but so yes, but then this is this is embarrassing. It's also political. Mm-hmm. Nobody kneels down. No, no agent is ever going to kneel down. 
if you want to, hey, look, if I have to take a bullet, if I have to get my my butt kicked, fine, I'll take it. You know, but that's part of being an agent. Yes. You're going to kneel down because you're afraid. You're in the wrong business. This is embarrassing. But th this this is what has taken over FBI headquarters and in a very real sense. And now they're adjudicating what other, you know, which which other agents should be in this bureau. And you're not one of them, Kyle. I'm not one of them. Let me tell you this. This is kind of fun because this is something you also represented. This is the end of that article. I don't know if we put this up on the screen or not, uh, Ryan, but uh, a SECD employee said that Mrs. Perkins, again, Dina Perkins, who has had her current job since 2018, retaliated against an employee who reported her to the office of Attorney General Merrick Garland the day after the complaint was filed. Ms. Perkins suspended that employee's clearance as well. You want to talk about that? Because I think this is pretty wild. I would love Can you to tell the circumstances that. of that complaint? I, I, here, here's the thing. I, one is that's 100% true. And what are the circumstances? What was the complaint? The complaint I, I, was she's not doing there, her job there properly. Complaint, there is a complaint. That complaint is, um, is not available to the public right now. That's not available to the public. That complaint may or may not be dealing with you and you're, you're a hot topic in there. And that, and this person, this person was doing the right thing. This person had reported, um, this contact, to the office of inspector general and somehow that got back to the bureau and they and coincidentally removed him the same day or the next day and then they told him they were they had cameras up on him for months now what are the chances that anyone in insider threat would ever put a camera inside the security division that would never happen because you have sensitive classified informa information and you would never allow any of that stuff to be recorded via, via some type of like insider threat video it's that's just too dangerous to have that video so what they were telling this person was just just wrong um they gave they gave they gave a pretext but they removed the person and i think i think that's coming back to haunt um sec d and um and and, and perkins right now because People inside there. I mean, there are good people in Sec D. There are, and those people have now started coming forward to to, to explain um, that the, that the FBI's the FBI the FBI doesn't have um, a national security um, program that vets people. And by the way, you know, you know, you're familiar with um, U.S. Navy versus Egan. Of course, Navy versus Egan is why they said I had no ability to appeal my case. That's right. You have you basically the Supreme Court says if you if you're eliminated because of national security reasons, the executive branch, i.e., the FBI or other or other agencies, um, you have no recourse to actually um, to actually go to a court and review it. That's why this is this is a great way of removing people because there is no recourse, and they're using this. They're they're not applying the government standards to you know the, the promulgated by odni to evaluate people it's the fbi evaluating whether people are loyal and and what because of their political beliefs this so, is the, F, the fbi should never have any type of you know surveillance um capabilities if they're going to treat the u.s citizens like they're treating their own employees which is really bad. It's it's Stasi stuff, is what people keep it's saying. That, that's so insane. I mean, and that's why and you've heard me talk about seven hundred two for the last two years because this this if they do it to you, they're going to do it to everyone else. They will not care. The fact that they would treat an employee like this is appalling. It's 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 
so bad that that they, that anybody would ever accuse somebody to, to try to take away their security clearance. Fire them for doing something wrong. Don't fire. Don't take away their security clearance because th you're disloyal to the United States. You, yeah, I mean that. It's so over the top. Does any other agency that you're aware of do that? Use this process no, this way? There's no. In fact, in fact, you're, you're able, in, in the bureau. You can get what they call an ARC, um, a review com committee at DOJ between three and five years. Other agencies will have that hearing right before they pull your clearance. So they'll give you the hearing beforehand. And, and the give bureau you does it five, three to five years after? Yeah, the bureau, you got three to five years. Congratulations. <laughs> and, but, but like you go to a smaller agency, they're like, yeah, we're gonna have a committee. We'll put the, oh, by the way, we'll give you the records. We're gonna give you the records to look at. So you can actually defend yourself because there's a whole bunch of mitigation and stuff that go along with the procedures. And there's some procedures in the, in ODNI are called SED4, S-E-A-D-4. You can look them up, they're public, and you can see all the criteria, but they give people a chance to actually defend themselves. Oh, we're, 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 we think you're a threat to counter, you know, the counterintelligence or the U.S. Come in, we're gonna have a committee. You can present your case why we got it wrong. And if we believe you, you can keep your clearance. If not, you can't. That's how other agencies do it. And in the Bureau, you're not, not getting you're not getting clearance for three to five years. And if they put 300 additional people through that, you're not getting that, that committee um, review for a decade because I think that committee meets once a month. Yeah. Yeah. They're not, it's not a full-time gig. No, it's, no, it's DOJ once a month. The FBI yeah. doesn't give you a hearing. What right. they give you is you have the opportunity to submit a, a paper. Did you submit one? Submit a document saying, Hey, no, don't take my clearance. I didn't do anything wrong. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty correct. sure I did. Yeah, I did. We, we made the argument, but it didn't matter. How pathetic. So here you want to hear something funny, and this made me this makes me laugh. You, you said there's criteria, there's actual things that have to be done. When I was at the uh, Las Cruces little RA that this is out of Albuquerque, we had this contractor there. She wasn't an FBI employee; she was a DOJ contractor. She's about 400 pounds. She was um, of average height for a female. She's morbidly obese. Her name, um, unironically, was Candy, which uh, I thought was really kind of funny. She was a, a rabid leftist. She thought that Kyle Rittenhouse should be executed without a trial. That was one of the things she mentioned. The, the, you know, she thought that the jury got it wrong. She was pretty awful. And I was like, oh, you don't know anything about criminal law and you don't know what self-defense looks like. You don't know anything about guns. Just because you work in this building with people who carry them doesn't make you have a qualified opinion. Your opinion is dumb. And at some point after that very brief interaction, because she said some, she said a lot of inflammatory, obnoxious things, she would throw over her shoulder and then knew that nobody would ever confront her about it. These like rabid leftist ideas. So I just pushed back one day because I got sick of it. Um, and, uh, and also she kind of made me want to puke. She's just a gross person. So anyway, Candy's doing this thing. I get a, a call into my boss's office. This is a little bit before they remove me. I'd already been taken off the low priority Indian crime reservation, moved to the high priority national security threat with no cases, even though I was declared an, uh, you know, uh, an insider threat, as you just mentioned. And so they pull me into the office. My boss sits me down. He goes, Hey man, I got to talk to you about something. Um, somebody didn't like something that you said. And, um, and I need you to, I'm cautioning you, I'm counseling you to be careful about what you say and be cautious about how you phrase things in the office. And I said, oh, well, I said, well, what did I say? And he goes, well, I can't really say that because it would disclose the person who came to me and they came to me in confidence and I'm just addressing it to you, sort of generally be cautious. And I said, um, noted, respectfully received. I'm gonna write a response to this because I wanna think about what you just said, but I don't understand how I'm supposed to react. So give me a minute, I'm gonna go reflect. And I'm gonna put it in writing for you so you have it if you wanna add it to anything. And I wrote back and I said, um, you know, in the United States under the Bill of Rights, we actually have a right to, to face our accusers. And as a nominally constitutional organization that the FBI claims to be, I would either, either like someone to sit down with a conference room and tell me what it is that they, they think, and I will either receive it and push back 
uh, respectfully and in a way that is appropriate, or I will do it in a way that is not appropriate. And then you will have disciplinary actions against me. But without knowing what it is that I said, who I said it to, and what my reaction to that is, there's no way that I can correct my behavior because I can't correct all my behavior without knowing what the problem was. Yeah. I don't even know what it was. And That's he goes, uh, oh, he goes, that, he goes, you should have been a lawyer. That was very well written or whatever. I, it's like a long letter that I wrote to him. And that was the end of it. And of course, a couple of days later, they took my badge and my gun. But I guarantee that all this stuff is part of it. It's like it doesn't it's, it's about feelings. It's very leftist at this point when that happens. And we know that the political lefties are protected within the FBI, which is it's kind of horrifying, actually. Well, uh, the fact they put you into that squad afterwards would lead me to believe they would try a false flag operation. Right. That's what they were trying to do, something to lure you into. Yeah, but I wasn't. I didn't even have an SCI reading. I couldn't even go into the skiff. I told him I was like, if I need to go into the skiff, just so you guys know, I'm read out of SCI. So you'll have to send an escort with me to do work in the skiff if you assign me any work that's in the skiff. I'll just sit here at my desk. I recertified it as a paramedic. I spent six weeks on my butt, also a fraud, waste, and abuse complaint, and I had no casework assigned to me other than they kind of threw some stuff at me. They're like, "Hey, we're going to be looking at this case, and you've got experience in surveillance. Maybe you could help us with that." I'd be happy to. I'm happy to do it, but I'm not excited about any of it. Very I will tell you the best speech that was given in the FBI was given by one of the bosses in the um, in the counterintelligence national security section. I got a call right during during the guy was probably the skiff we did. So he gave a speech and started. We're talking about China. We lost the war already. That was like so. They, so they've given they've given up on China, but they're going to go after you. I mean, <laughs> that's. They're they've and you. When's the last? I mean, if you hear exactly anybody, right. any military guy, well, yeah, we've already lost, and they've given up. And now we're going to start doing. Now we're going to start doing demotions for bed for beds that are not made in the in the barracks because that's all oh we can do. God. It's yeah, that's what we're doing. We 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 decided the enemy has already won in this space. So now we're going to turn around and start issuing demerits for unclean rifles and beds that don't have good hospital corners. We're going back to basic training standards. Like <laughs> that's where we're at. That's what the FBI is. It's it's arbitrary, it's capricious, and it's obnoxious. It's really scary. Is there any way out of this, by the way? Yeah. Tell, yeah, we, tell your tell your um your listeners and your um, viewers to. Uh, make sure that they call the congressman and they push for the um, the government um, surveillance reform act because that that's that's your that's your Fourth Amendment rights there. If you want if you want your kids to have a Fourth Amendment right, you're going to find it. It's going to happen in the next two months. Say the name okay. of it. The government. The, the, it's the government surveillance reform act. It was in the newspaper yesterday. It is it is survey it is basically revamping all of the um, surveillance platforms and the laws regarding how surveillance is done by the federal agencies. Got and it. That act is a huge step in providing you a fourth amendment. Right. And that is that, that if you can't, we cannot give the government back the, um, the rights regarding um, the 702 and the FISA as it stands, because you have no fourth amendment rights. Right now. There it is, folks. You, you got your homework. You got to call your congresspeople. The number's 202-225-3121. You can call in and let them know. Garrett's going to, I mean, uh, Brian's going to flash that across the screen. Garrett is still uh, hiding somewhere in the ether, maybe on his cell phone in an undisclosed location, trying to keep away from the FBI surveillance tech that's wiring up his house. Uh, folks, you've been listening to The Kyle Serafin Show. Kurt, thanks so much for joining Thank me. You. I really do appreciate it, buddy. Um, if people have anything, is there any way to reach out to you that's going to matter for uh, for most of us? Let's say they're a government employee. You can have you. My my uh, email address is k u r t kurt at s i u z d a k l a w dot com. Um, I'm I like I said I do privacy, cybersecurity, and I try to help agents when I can to 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 make sure that they have a better work environment. 
if you're looking for an ethical pro in that space, or if you're doing the FBI, if you happen to be one of our FBI listeners, and we do have some, you need to reach out to Kurt. Kurt at Suzdak Law. His name is spelled out in the title. And if you have privacy issues, please give me a call. Privacy, cybersecurity. You need an attorney. I'm there also. That's what I like doing. So I can get yeah, rid of the that's, FBI. That's what that whole uh, apparatus behind you is. That's why you're sitting in that game <laughs> that's chair. It. That's full all of my like, equipment. Yes. It's, it's that's, fantastic. That's, that's, my, but that's what I love. This other stuff, someday we're hoping to just let it all go. It won't, it won't be a problem anymore. Yeah, man. Well, I really appreciate you jumping on. I appreciate all the candid things. We may have some questions for you. I'll have you back on. I hope you'll come back yeah, on again anytime. too. We're gonna uh, we're gonna wrap this one up. This has been uh, a plenty long. This is two in a row that we've gone awfully long on this. But folks, I appreciate you guys uh, bearing with us. We had a record number of people, I think, on the uh, the live views, and uh, we have a record number of likes on this. So if you guys are watching right now and you're still watching and you haven't given it a like on Rumble, we really appreciate it if you do. If you're watching somewhere else, come on to Rumble, rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin slash live. We'll get you to the live show. You can hit the thumbs up right there. And uh, well, that's 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 what's powering us getting onto the leaderboard. So it makes a big difference in our ranking system. It moves the show forward, gets us more listeners and likers. We get to share this message, which very few people, I think, uh, are going to have access to. There's not a lot of people that are going out there and know how to ask the right questions of the right people and have this kind of stuff out there. So this is a this is fun. Like I said, today was self-serving, but oftentimes we talk about other stuff. Let's uh, let's throw some of the super chats, some of the uh, the rumble rants that we had on the board. I want to say thanks to all of you guys for putting this out there. Got to lean forward and see them. A uh, handful of you throwing a, a couple of big ones out there. Real is rare throwing out fifty bucks saying thank you. We appreciate you. I know you're there every day. Real is rare, and you're at one of our one of our monthly supporters, um, Christopher WT, saying. 10 bucks. Incredible inside info. Thank you, gentlemen. Sybil, Ev- Sybil Edmonds wrote, not only key positions uh, within were compromised, but one of the agents whose responsibility it was to vet judges said he was told to vet. Interesting take. Uh, Tack Penis. I, I just love the name. It's a great name. Uh, one of my Air Force brothers says, question, if I have the actual state and municipal laws in my hand to show, am I complying, show that I'm complying with the law, do I still have to submit a, to a false detainment because the cop has a bug up his butt. Um, end of the day, you have to adjudicate after the fact is my take on it. We can do a whole show on uh, civil disobedience, but that's what it is. Civil disobedience means you know you're in the right, but you're being uh, you're you're being violated. Uh, your civil liberties are, and then you'd have to come back and make a complaint, a civil liberties complaint, which you can do. A uh, handful of others out there, whatever. 007 threw one out there. Eric Jason, as usual, giving us the uh, get the likes up. Appreciate all of you guys doing that. And Chad Zodi started us off with good morning, suspendables everywhere. We say good morning to you guys. Thanks for joining the Kyle Serafin Show. It is streamed live from. Liberty Hill, Texas at 0930. That is Easter time. It's 830 here in Texas, America. It is now 1030. We went an extra long time, so we appreciate it. Uh, Go to Apple if you're listening on there. Give us a five-star review there. We're at 780. We can get up to 800 by the end of this month if you guys will push it. I would really appreciate all the five-star reviews. You can leave a review, and we will read them for you today like these two. One from Snake Mo saying, dude, great podcast today. Thanks, Snake Mo. I I can appreciate that. And the other one from Middle USA saying, straight to the point, five stars. Like what's really going on, you and Dan Bongino. Me and Dan Bongino. Man, Dan Bongino is the man. You guys know it. I love Dan. He does a great job, and he's been so good to me and my buddies, keeping our story relevant and keeping us out there. The Bureau can't crush us, and we have a bag full of metaphorical grenades to throw. Not literal grenades, but metaphorical political grenades to throw because we got guys like Dan Bongino and Seb Gorka and Everett Robinson and, uh, and others as well just in our corner at all times. So support them as well. Uh, we're going to shut it down. Follow Ryan Matta at Ryan Matta Media on Twitter or Ryan Matta on Rumble on True Social. And uh, folks, it's been a real one today. If you haven't uh, if you haven't seen this article, go ahead and click in the show notes out there and check it out for yourself. It's all out there. 
These things are unraveling. We found the seam. We're going to just keep pulling at it. So God bless you. Thanks for joining us. And we will see you again tomorrow for another Kyle Serafin Show. Thanks for listening to the Kyle Serafin Show, streamed live weekdays on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter, Truth Social, and Instagram at Kyle Serafin.